Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Awkward and Black. Yes, Brittany, as you were saying. Welcome to Awkward Black. I'm sure you guys can already tell where I'm going with this one. I'm coming right off the bat. I'm coming off the bat with the clap for the month. I actually had another clap for the month that I was waiting, because we haven't filmed in like three weeks, and I was holding on to this clap for the longest time, and I'll expose it. It was the baby. It was the baby. But Shakara Richards has taken that clap position. Now, I know a lot of people might not like this because we do have a heavy um, African-American audience. We also do have a heavy uh, UK audience and a heavy Canadian audience. I'm going to keep it real. Shakara Richards is the clap of the month. Let me explain why she's the clap of the month, okay? Shakara Richards on our earlier episode about a month and a half ago, two months ago when the Olympics first started, she had a qualifying, before the Olympics started, she had a qualifying 100 meter race. She won the 100 meter race. In that 100 meter race, she was racing against her own people, just Americans. I think there might've been one or two Europeans, but mostly just Americans in that race. She won the race and people loved her. We talked about it. People loved her because she said they she saw her as iconic. She set a record. Because she had the weave and the nails and the lashes. And they were, you know, African-Americans were going buck. They were like, oh, this is the first black woman that's representing a certain culture of black women. And this is great. Okay. Even though I did repeat on the earlier episode that Jamaican women have always come out in the dance hall best since the 80s with Skittle Weaves and all the other bullshit Shakara was doing. But I do realize that African-Americans have a homogeneous reaction when it comes to blackness. And not until they do something have black people done something. So I understand that. We all love Shakara. I loved her energy. I loved the cockiness. I thought she was good. Then at that point in time, when the Olympics finally came up, Shakara was tested and she took marijuana. Now we already discussed that the Olympics has always had these archaic rules Mm -hmm. and everybody, everybody, even those living under a rock are aware that when it comes to the Olympics, you can take no drugs, not even Advil. Every year, the Olympics bans people. You really don't hear about it because as notable or the country isn't as high, high pressed. But every year, someone gets banned Olympics. Multiple get banned. And we discussed how taking weed is absolutely stupid because you knew it was going to happen. Now, now, in Shakara's defense, Shakara took the weed because her mother passed away. And I can, I can definitely understand the depression in that. And in Shakara's defense, Shakara actually did admit her fault and said, 
guys, it's my fault. I knew what I was doing and I will accept the consequences. It was more the fans, the African-American public who was jumping up in arms and talking about this is racist. And I asked, how is it racist? And then the questions came about, oh, weed is legal. Weed is legal in America. The Olympics represents the world. Anybody knows the Olympics rules. They're clear as day. How is it racist? But we live in a, we live in a, we live in a time now where people will attach an ism to everything that they can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I did, I something about Shakara. I thought Shakara handled it well. I thought she owned up to her bullshit and it was fine. I had nothing against her. I was actually rooting for her at this time. Then you came out with the facts about Michael Phelps because people were comparing it. And you said that Michael Phelps actually, when he did smoke weed, he actually had a worse, I'm correct, um, was only banned for a certain amount of weeks and then was able to compete again while Michael Phelps was banned for like a year. And Michael and Phelps he, and also then he lost, had his title stripped. And he had and he lost a bunch of endorsements and a lot of money at the same lost time his endorsements? because he was Michael Phelps. Basically, let's put it this way. The reason why you haven't heard of Michael Phelps in the past decade is because he smoked weed. And the reason why you have heard of Shakara so much is because she smoked weed. So it's not racist. Now, after all this went on, Shakara was going to race after the Olympics, which is the 100 meter dash that happened last night. Prior to the 100 meter dash, Shakara was talking shit, talking about how she's gonna whoop the Jamaicans and how she's gonna do this and do this and do that. And you know, people entertained it, nobody said anything. Now, I came on this podcast and I said that Shakara's time in the trial round wasn't even close to any of the Jamaican female runners who had run this year. But people were still looking at her like she was the fastest runner alive. I'm like, no, she won that race, but her actual time was nowhere close to Shelly Ann Frazier or any of these people. But, you know, I get it. I get it. African-Americans, America, I get the whole concept. I get it. Now, Shakara finally had her chance to race. And that she did yesterday. And Shakara raced against three Jamaican ladies, um, a woman from Switzerland, and I believe a woman from Ivory Coast, if I was looking at the flags correctly when I saw that picture. And Shakara came dead last. When I mean dead last, I mean it was embarrassing. To the point where these people were way ahead of her. It wasn't even close. Now, when Shakara came dead last, instead of humbling herself and just getting the fuck out the way so the Jamaicans can do their, you know, they can do their Usain Bolt and get off the stage, she decided when she was stopped by a reporter to give the reporter a very arrogant speech. Now, in the Olympics, as you guys know, or not Olympics, but in the sport of track and field, as you guys know, you represent your country. That's how track and field works. I had an argument with somebody about this yesterday where they were telling me, oh, well, she wasn't representing America. Yes, she is, because the uniform she's running in is the color of the American flag. And the uniform the Jamaicans are running in is the color of the Jamaican flag. And the uniform does get my point. So 
she, after representing America and disrespecting the country by coming last, she decides to go onto the announcer who decided to interview her. And I'm not going to play this speech just for copyrighted reasons, but she decided to basically say that this is nothing. She's still the best runner. She's going to come back and win. Da, 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 da. I'm still the best. And this is the problem. Okay. Now, Jamaicans in Jamaica and in the diaspora all around the world have been going in nonstop since yesterday. I haven't seen so many memes that cause such joy to my heart. I think the best one is when they compared her to a barrel. West Indians know what I'm talking about. <laughs> a barrel is what we use to send stuff back home. But when they compared her to a barrel, and what did they say? Something about, oh, I can't remember. I got to look it up now. But, oh, my God, the jokes were so sweet. I even laid down a few of my own. Okay? Now, the thing that annoyed me, it annoyed me the most. Everybody on my social media was laying down the jokes because I live in a Caribbean diaspora, so we give no fucks. We're laying it down. What annoyed me was when I saw people like Tory Lanez, who beats women, and I understand he's doing this to save his career that's kind of already on the fringes, and he decided to say, oh, you guys are disrespectful to be making fun of Shakara. You know, this is anti-black woman. Tory Lanez, who is of Caribbean descent, I believe Bayesian, but he... Pretends he's Jamaican in all of his dance hall records. It's fine. Um, he's basically Nicki Minaj. And Tory Lanez, who shoots women, yeah, decided to take it upon himself to say that people making fun of Shakara is anti-black woman. Tory, I think I could bring up the obvious elephant in the room, but I think I don't have to. I understand you're trying to save yourself, but you're putting yourself in grave danger. All somebody has to do is put up a picture of a horse or say Megan the Stallion. So we're not even gonna address Tori. And then I saw a bunch of people talking about, oh, this is anti-black. And okay, okay. I understand we're in 2021 and I get it. But not everything is an ism. Okay, guys. And first of all, how is it anti-black woman to address Shakara when she was racing against all other black women? Now, I'm reaching out to my American audience here, and I know I hear these comments um, on the on our YouTube page, actually, for, ironically, and across YouTube about some African-Americans, some, displaying that Caribbeans are not black. And the main purpose of this is always because Caribbeans in America, when you ask them what they are, they will define themselves as Caribbean, the same way we do here in Canada. And the reason why is because we know we're black. Black is our race, not our culture. You ask me what I am in terms of culture, not what I look mm. like. In America, Black is a race and a culture. And I think it's hard for African-Americans to realize that that's not how it is for other people. Our culture and our race are separate. Your culture and your race, you've made it synonymous the same. Concept broken down. And I was taken back by that, that everybody thought that People coming at her for her arrogance was somehow anti-black. Are Jamaicans not black? Are the three Jamaican women she ran against not black? Is the girl from the Ivory Coast of West Africa not black? And I'm pretty sure the girl from Switzerland was black too. I'll go back and watch it just to make sure. <laughs> okay, we've reached that point, right? Okay, fine. So we've cleared this out the way. Now, let me explain to people. The reason why people are getting at Shakara Richards 
is not because she lost. Somebody has to come last. And it happened to be her. It's because she chat too damn much. That's why we got her. That's why. If you just stayed humble and shut your mouth, nobody would have said anything. When you were talking about you were going to beat the Jamaicans, and then after you lost, you're still talking. That people are getting at you. I brought up a great comparison in another group I was in when I was arguing this point, okay? Imagine an amateur boxer winning an exhibition round, because that's what she won, an exhibition round, against another amateur boxer. And then coming on the mic and talking about how he's better than Mike Tyson and Floyd Mayweather, and then gets into the ring and gets knocked out. Are we not supposed to laugh? If she just kept herself humble, nobody would have said shit. And that's why I'm giving her the donkey today. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, we I'm don't have that. I'm completely sorry. That's <laughs> why I'm giving her clap for the bud. You know what? We might just have to exit that out this. We might, you might have to clean that one up. Our Peter Bear. That's why I'm giving her donkey. He did it again. I'll repeat it again. That's why I'm giving her clap for the bud. For that exact reason and that exact reason only. Because she talks too much. If she just, and I understand athletes are supposed to be cocky. We like them cocky, but cocky with results. You decided to smoke weed when you knew that was the stupidest decision. People felt sorry for you because they knew about your mother's situation. And then you decided to talk trash about how good you were going to be in this round. And then you came out and you got slaughtered. Slaughtered. The Switzerland girl, everybody slaughtered you. It was embarrassing. Usually when you see these races, it's usually the first two or three people that are ahead and everybody else is usually in the same line of vision. It was literally the first three people, the second two people, the next person, and then Shakara. I'm done. That's it. I, okay, so... I didn't even realize that I know that after the Olympics is over and everyone comes back, they start doing all these, um, I got like exhibitions and all these races and whatever their field is. I think the thing for me that when I saw the footage, I actually was like, wow, she's really, 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 really far behind. And her speech after the fact of saying that it's just one race and that you know, she's going to come back and she's going to be amazing. I actually, at the time when I saw the footage, didn't know that she had actually pretty much trash talked at the beginning. I didn't know that. And sitting here is so interesting. So Elaine Thomas, I can't pronounce, Elaine Thomas Hearth, I can't pronounce her last name. The Jamaican woman who won, won by a record breaking 10.54 seconds in the hundred meter. Like that's fast. Like that, 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 that is fast. <laughs> that Hold is on. fast. Hold on. Yep. I just wanted to hear that this woman. And so honestly, from what I've seen for most athletes or anyone who I guess as a professional athlete or anyone who becomes an Olympian, the one thing that I have realized is that when they do the after race interviews, most of the time, the after race interview, even though they are very exhausted, um, it's normally relatively quick. They normally don't give on full on speeches. They have like a few words to say and they move on. 
I was actually quite surprised that she just kept going and just digging a hole deeper and deeper for herself because it just sounded as if that she was just mad that she didn't win. But it also just sounded like she was just being very, very, very arrogant, making it seem as mm-hmm. if that that record time that was set didn't matter. And I said, but it did. I was like, because it was 10.54 seconds. You and, can't be arrogant when you lose. And I think another thing that was very interesting was she just did, she didn't have that humbleness about her. And then when they interviewed the three, the three women who were from Jamaica, who pretty much all finished first, second, third, um, they literally did not have anything to say. They were very quiet about it and just moved on. Because to them... They asked them, what do you, what do you yeah, think about Shakara? They're like, we don't think anything about Shakara. Yeah, we don't think anything about it. And they moved on from it, which is fine. You don't, they don't have to have a thought, but it's not like they hung on it and said, well, she finished last and she did this. It's not like they went in the way that she did. I'll what, say what, is what really they should have said. I'll say what they should have said. They should have said absolutely nothing. Dirty girl, hold your tongue. So the next thing that I found really interesting is that yesterday an article was posted where Shakari Richardson, she has withdrawn from the women's 200 meter at Prefontaine Classic in Eugene, Oregon. So she's actually withdrawn from the 200 meter that's supposed to be happening. Um, I'm not really sure why, but she's withdrawn from the classic. I'm assuming it's because of the fact that she needs to go back into conditioning and training. Maybe she just wasn't keeping up her training when she didn't actually go to the Olympics to be able to keep up with those exercises, she but she's withdrawn weeks, from so that she classic. Wasn't. So she's withdrawn from that, that one that's coming up. So we're, so no, we're not going to see her be racing anytime soon. I'm assuming her arrogance. My response so again, now that we so, have the new information, pom pom Fred dot girl, hold your tongue. I feel like I should put subtitles for what that means. Because um, <laughs> not everybody's going to be able to catch she that. She deserves this energy. I wasn't she saying against it. I'm just saying that I think that she went, I think that she just needed to calm down and not say anything. I think that she should have been more, more humble about it and just said, you know what, this wasn't my best race. And just to talk about the fact she's going to go and she's going to go back and improve and come back. That would have been different. I would have been like, okay. And she also could have been like amazing congratulatory to the others if she wanted to be. She, you don't have to. But she didn't have to do everything that she did there. It was unnecessary. And because I know that the media storm in the hip hop world is going to hit on this this week. And if if this narrative begins of Jamaicans bullying Shakara, listen, listen, let me explain this. Okay. Jamaica is a small island. Jamaica has less than 2 million people. There are literally... There's buttfuck towns in America that have more than that, okay? Most Jamaicans in the world live outside of Jamaica. 10 million outside Jamaica, okay? What I'm trying to say is Jamaica is a small country compared to America, okay? And track and field is one thing that Jamaicans have dominated forever. If Jamaicans are not winning it, then it's somebody of the Jamaican diaspora who is playing for England or Canada, or whoever, who is yeah. doing it. Okay? Yeah, it's true. Jamaicans are not up here talking shit about Americans. Americans win the majority of the Olympic awards anyways. I think next yeah. to them is probably only China, okay? So no one's talking nothing about them. But you come into the sport that Jamaicans run and disrespect them, and then everyone's supposed to feel bad when Jamaicans disrespect you, Listen, she's not done, okay? This girl is nine, was it 21? She's 21 she's years 21. old. This is a young, this is a young girl, okay? 
She has a whole life ahead of her. I hope she gets media trained properly so she's not carrying on selfish speeches when she's representing an entire country. Um, I hope she humbles herself. I hope she actually takes her sport seriously and trains. And you know what the sad thing is? I believe Shakara was taking the sport seriously because when we first saw her run, she looked good. But yeah, I think did. we do live in the social media era and I will give her a bligh with this. I think the social media phenomenon that it is that took this little girl and blew her up bigger than life. If you remember, she was at the ESPYs, which is the athletic awards. And I forget who was hosting it, but he had a whole monologue about her. And then everybody was talking about her and everybody was boosting her up. Everyone's talking about how it was racist and everyone's against her. So over time, over the past month or so, she built up an ego. And I don't know if she was training while she built up this ego because it doesn't look like it. I hope she humbles herself. I hope she turns off the social media and works on her craft, comes back in the next four years and maybe gets seventh place with the Jamaicans. I would be happy to see that. Second to last is still fine. It's better. You want to do one step better than the previous year, right? That's the thing. Yeah. You want to always grow. So if she comes second last, that's respectable for her. And then maybe the, the next Olympics, when she's now in her 30s and she's at the end, she may come fourth. She won't be on the podium, but it's respectful. And that's one thing she said she wasn't, was respectful. Yeah, no, agreed. That, that it was completely unnecessary. What she, that whole thing and that she did was not necessary. Unnecessary. And now that we're on the Olympics, I know we've been gone for about three weeks. So I just want to touch on some things, man. I know Simone Biles um, left the Olympics. Um, and Naomi Osaka took a mental break from the Olympics. Um, praying for Naomi Osaka. I like Naomi Osaka. Um, she's very tactful, unlike Shakar over here. But Naomi Osaka had a mental break. We can all understand that. She announced it. She took her time and she left. And Simone Biles did the same thing. But that was more due to an injury that would have got worse. And then she wouldn't be able to compete in the future. Um, but also, it also she also pulled out because of the fact that she wasn't able to take her ADHD medication. Yes, I didn't. Because, I didn't even again, know Simone Biles. The had Olympics ADHD. has archaic rules, and you can't take drugs of any kind, Shakara. Like I didn't even, I didn't even know that Simone Biles had ADHD. She actually didn't publicly speak about it, and she does not have to. And to be honest with you, she knew while competing. She's like, listen, I can't do it. I will hurt myself. And she knew that she would not be able to successfully execute these moves. And so she and she did the right thing. She protected the instrument that has made her who she is. Yeah. It's funny though, when people found out that she suffers from ADHD, they were trying to say that her medication is what makes her elite. And I said, no, 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 no. Her having ADHD, for anyone who doesn't know what that means, it means atten attention deficit hyperactive disorder, whatever that is. Okay. I have I know somebody who has that. Can't just focus. because you just be yeah you can't focus just because you have a medication that helps you focus doesn't mean it miraculously makes you a superhero where you can literally defy gravity with all four, four, four foot two of you okay she has done people things that are literally so that literally probably would give most people a small heart attack having to do the things that she's done her medication is not what makes her superior she just is but what her medication does is it helps her be able to focus being able to focus is not a superpower being on medication to yep. do that does not make you superior, okay? Every now and then you need a little bit of help. Okay, she takes the medication. It allows her to drown out all the noise around her so that she can do what she does best. That does not mean that it enhances her abilities whatsoever. 
she just naturally is gifted. In and I will never defense, take that from her. In Chikara's defense, this is the same nonsense they were saying about her with weed. They were trying to say that the weed is making her a better athlete. And people were just like, when has weed Ever done made that. you better at anything? Yeah. Like when? Just anything in life. Especially movement. <laughs> but yeah. Ridiculous. But, but when it comes to Naomi Osaka, I really do hope that she's able to recover because it seems like she's having, it seems like she is struggling very badly. And I feel bad for her because she's in the public eye. She doesn't get to have a break and go step, step back the way that everyone else who isn't watched like that does. She doesn't get that opportunity. So it's probably even worse because everyone is just zoning in on her. Like and you got to think about it like this. Sad. Training for four years to then leave. Yeah. That must be hard. Like that's, that's what I'm your saying. Super it's a lot Bowl. of practice. Exactly. championship game. Yeah. Well, Naomi Osaka does play tennis, so I can't say that. I guess Simone Biles would more be that. Naomi Osaka has a bunch of opens and all this other stuff. So does so Simone Biles. No, you don't ever stop when it comes to gymnastics. You compete in things throughout the U.S. for your team. So they're constantly I, doing I agree. It. I agree. But, but what I'm it's, saying it's is... it's televised. It's a lot yes. of pressure. But what I'm saying is tennis as a sport is more similar to NBA, NHL, MLB... Yeah, no, I'm agreeing. In a season, while gymnastics is mainly you see it during the Olympics. You true, but they both compete in, in heats throughout the year, so that doesn't change Agreed. anything. They both Agreed. compete. Imagine having to be at top like perfection all year, <laughs> all yeah, year, it's hard, man. and then four years later, you have to be even better than that. So, like Simone Biles also for plays both of a them very- though. Well, what I'm saying, Simone Biles specifically plays a very dangerous sport. And you have to hey, realize it's more, dangerous, it's more dangerous than what Shakara does. It's more dangerous than what Naomi does. If you land wrong, mm-hmm. you can twist your whole leg, fuck up your whole leg. You can that break is, your neck. You can break your back. You can break yeah, any bone in your body. It's a there, very, there are some there are some People moves, don't realize how dangerous gymnastics is. Yeah, there are some moves where some dismounts actually make you blind for a second where you're turning and you can't see where you're landing. You just have to believe that you're going to land. Like there are some dismounts where when there's a, there's particular ones that when they jump, those girls actually can't see. <laughs> they can't see where their, where their feet have to be. Gotta, they just have to, they have to remember exactly yeah. where you know that you're going to land. We've seen back in the day where they had to ban certain things because those girls got hurt. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's. Now. Pretty amazing. We have a lot. Of, we have a lot of topics today. Whatever you think we're going to get into, we're definitely going to get into. But because it's been so long, we have some topics that we just got to drop off on. you. But we're going to get to the meat and potatoes. It's coming. Um, first of all, I'm a Chris Rock guy. I've been a Chris Rock guy my whole life. I've always liked Chris Rock. Uh, anybody hates Chris? I own the first season of that DVD. I think I get. I think my niece gave it back to me. And um, yeah, they're turning "Everybody Hates Chris" into an animated show on Netflix. I'm down for this. I'm completely down for this. I hope the show has the same charisma. I don't know if he's gonna have the original actors voice the characters. Like oh, that'd have, be so um, cool if they did. Tanisha Arnold voiced the mom and Yeah, that'd um, be really cool. Terry Crews voiced the dad. I'm pretty sure he's gonna voice it, obviously. But either way. I'm interested. I'm definitely going to give it a good three, four episodes. I think it's going to be great. I actually really like that show, to be honest. So I'm looking forward to it. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I think that's something that I'll, I think that's something I'll definitely watch. Right now I'm on an uh, anime binge. 
I'm watching Kitako's basketball and uh, it got so bad that I literally watched like 20 episodes straight yesterday. <laughs> I can't do that with anime. I can watch anime, oh my but God. I can't. You don't, no, no, no. Like okay. <laughs> I think the last time I was like that was like um, Game of Thrones. See, it was the last time I like really binged something like that. The thing about it, when it comes to me and TV shows, I can watch a TV show. Like I watched The Witcher in like two days. Um, when it comes to anime though, I literally just become like, I, I get so zoned in that I just can't stop. Like I can't, like I just keep going because I need to know what happens. And I, they're only, I'm addicted to this anime because it's about these kids who are playing basketball in Japan. But the way that they view basketball is like basketball is life. And there's this one character, it's called Kuriko's Basketball because the, lead, the, the guy who's the main character, his name is Tetsuya Kuriko. And he's only five foot six. He is, he's like, he's classified as weaker because he's the smallest player on his team. But in middle school, he was a part of the generation of miracles, which was these kids who played basketball so damn well that they were like, holy crap, I've never seen anyone play like that before. The interesting about this kid is that he has no presence, which means that like, he's that person who can walk into a room and nobody notices him. So in anime, you know, everything is super, super hyped up. So he has this trick, which is called his, like he has a thing where it is his vanishing drive and his vanishing pass, which means that because of his lack of presence, he is able to pass the ball at a very high amount of speed because people don't notice that he has it because he doesn't have his lack of presence entirely means that no one notices him. And it's very, very funny because they always play off the fact that like people will go outside and they'll turn and see Kuriko stand. They're like, when did you get here? And he's like, I've been here a while. That is how much you know. That's how much you realize that he's not noticeable. I'm just addicted to it because watching them, they do this one sequence that reminds me of Dragon Ball Z where they'll be like going for the ball and they start screaming like they're going to turn to Super Saiyans. He sounds <laughs> so like I Ralph a, from Simpsons, but he can play basketball. Yeah, and it's just fun. He sounds like Ralph from Simpsons, but can play basketball. And I'm also trying to catch up because season three drops on September 1st and I only have, um, I only have five episodes left and I'll be caught up and then I can get to season three and, you know. I'm not addicted to, I, I add people that are still addicted to stuff like that. I'm not. It, there's, usually every three years I get a show I'm addicted to. Like there was Dexter, there was, uh, no, it was The Wire. I say The Wire Dexter, first Then Breaking Bad and then um, Game of Thrones. I think before before the wire probably prison break, but it's it's very it's very it's not that often that yeah, I yeah for me it's a, like, I have to be into it to like it into. so like seeing Kuriko's basketball definitely into I love Attack on Titan oh my god I could watch Attack on Titan from the beginning and just so Chef's Kiss I love I, that anime I feel like as I got older I feel like I have too many opinions and I just can't <laughs> sit there and enjoy these shows the way I used to it's it's I really really can't like when I was younger I could like really immense myself in something like that yeah. or just any show in general and yeah. now it's like I can't like even I remember people people kept telling me to watch power and I watched it a couple episodes and I was like yeah like no, I don't know not, nothing really impressed me anymore I think the last show that really impressed me was Game of Thrones like it's it's really hard except for the finale for me to find a yeah, sure. it's really hard for me <laughs> to find a television show yeah. That is really good to me that yeah. I just like engulf myself into. Like it, it might not happen again for like another two years. It's really yeah. Really I it's, really it's different good. for everybody. Like I'm I'm a straight anime head. I mean I still read mangas till this day, and I watch anime like religiously. It's and I rewatch animes that I've already seen in its entirety as well. Like I'm that person. 
But I also I do that with Simpsons and Family Guy. I I love the one the thing the three things that I love the most that I can immerse myself in that make me happy. I love music. I love anime and I love reading. So being able to read mangas or novels, those three things, those make me happy. So I'm able to immerse myself. And the funny thing is when I get into it, it's like my hearing only is tuned into what I'm watching in my vision because people can fully be talking to me. I don't hear or see you at all. It's very bad. Music is probably the only one out of those three. I was never a reader. I know how ignorant that sounds. Well, I guess I'll explain like I'm like this. When I was younger, you know what it is? When I was younger, I used to read because we grew up in the time, I guess, before everybody had a household computer, right? So we used to read. But I think it's because from, I would say, from middle of high school, grade 10, Mm -hmm. all the way until I was in my mid-20s, the only books I ever read at that point were for school. So I'm in university and college, and the only books I'm reading are big textbooks or big novels for school. So I think reading became like something that was part of school for me and then it was yeah. no longer fun and since then i've never ah. read like if anything there's books that i like but i'll get the audio version yeah and i'll listen, listen to the audio but See, I'm I, will the not, I, I can't my actual can't brain cannot sit there and read you know the joke is like this is the one part of me that's probably a resemblance of like social media low attention span whatever well i don't know maybe but my, to me to sit there and read a book on oh, my brain i'll get so bored I'll fall asleep. On I'm the sleep. opposite. I, I, I think I've told this story before. Like when I was younger, I, I didn't want to learn how to read. And I used to think reading was stupid when I was little. And my, my older sister, Tanya was like, well, you have to learn how to read. And she got this big piece of graph paper and how purple young marker. You? So we have like, we have like, a well, this is when you were at the age where you're learning how to read. I can't remember how old you'd be. Okay. I don't know what okay. you're like okay. four okay. or five. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. I'm like, I just, um, I'll just check. I'll just check. And I was just stubborn and I didn't want to learn how to read. And I was like, it's stupid. I want to play instead. And so she got this big piece of graph paper and with a permanent, I'll remember, I'll never forget this, a purple permanent marker. And she wrote out like nouns, vowels, and words and all that kind of stuff. And she made me study this piece of graph paper every day after school before I could do anything. So like, if I had to do, if I had any, cause like when you're little, you really don't have homework. So like, that was my homework. I had to study this graph paper and I had to learn all my nouns, my vowels, words, and I had to spell all these different things. I don't know if it was just because my sister was teaching me that I found it fun. I'm not really sure. It may have been because I was so, I was so much younger than my sister that her even spending time with me meant the world to me. <laughs> that could have been it too. And I became so addicted to learning new words that I just wanted more books and books and more books to the point where I would read like multiple books in a day. And I carried that all the way through my life till now. Like I would sit down with a novel. And I remember once I read a novel from cover to cover in one day and I would eat another book and another book to the point where people would gift me gift cards to chapters before it was called Indigo, give me gift cards to chapters to buy books. And that's all I wanted. I wanted my discount card to get 10% off. And I wanted my gift card. And my sister and her now husband, when they were dating, they would renew my chapter's discount card for me every year. And I used to be like, oh my God, I'm going to get all these books. And I'm like that now. I am addicted to reading. I find it so much fun. I cried when I read Harry Potter. I will admit that. Literally had the Half-Blood Prince book, sat in the corner of my sofa. My family walks in, my sister... Chris and my mom and I'm just sitting there with tears running down my face and I look at them and I'm like he died <laughs> and I'm literally I losing know. my I've never, shit. and I have been a, like that my whole life I still to this day I have 
I have books up there. Like I've, I've read Anna Karenina, which is a Tolstoy novel. That thing is long as hell. I read, I love books. I love from fiction, obviously mangas to, to like any kind of like anyone's like biography I to think, something. Fa- I think I I'm a visual books. learner. So I think sitting there and reading a book, it just becomes boring and mundane to me, but it's like, even the that. books that are turned into movies, I, I only know when it becomes a movie and everyone's like, you didn't read the book. I was like, I didn't know this was a book. Like, but I, to be honest, I, I was, I was one of the few kids growing up that wasn't really a Harry Potter fan. I remember our um, teacher I'm, I'm read us Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. Our teacher read us the first Harry Potter, like a year or two before it came out. I think it was read mm. to me in like grade four and then Harry Potter ended up dropping when I was in grade six or something. So I knew what it was because I read the first book. Yeah, because I was in class. grade six. I didn't read it. I was 11 when it came But out. then I never read any of the other Harry Potters, nothing else after that. You see, I'm the, I'm the opposite. Like, I love books. Books are like, books, oh my God, I love me a good book. I love me a cup of tea, some like crackers and a book. Like, it's like, it's, it's, it's weird. I know. And I have so many books Starbucks that I have person. to store them. I have to store them like in my bed and like under my bed in the closet. Like I have so many novels and I also don't like to sell my books. So, but yeah, that's, that's me. At least it's, at least it's good decoration. But it is, but I also then get to recall a lot of things. Emma, I used to be that person though that if a book got turned into a movie, I was the snob who was like, Well, that didn't happen in the book. How come this is not in the movie? I, know, I had to learn, I'm, I had to I'm, unlearn. I'm I still am like, aware of this. I'm still like that now, yes, but I know. I know. I'm completely aware of it. <laughs> I'm one of those people. I know, trust me. Shut up. I have to explain Harry Potter to you during the movie, so be quiet. <laughs> I'm a I Gryffindor. Be proud. No, I'm joking. Go ahead. But, <laughs> We do have some other things here. So I saw the trailer for King Richard. Yeah, I saw And I can't wait to see this, man. Will Smith is one of my favorite actors of all time. I grew up being a Will Smith fan. I used to love Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. As a kid, I loved everything Will Smith was in. Like, I was a die-hard Will Smith fan when I was a kid. And I said on this thing before, I hate the fact that Jada has turned Will Smith into a cuck. That's a whole different topic. But Will Smith is coming out with King Richard, which is the story of Serena and Venus's Williams' father. I've seen interviews with Richard, Serena Venus Williams' father, and there's that one interview where I don't know who's interviewing exactly, but she's being interviewed by the white reporter, and the white yeah. reporter keeps yeah he keeps asking her about like why she keeps trying or why she's so good. And then the father steps in, he's like, you didn't hear her the first time. Why do you keep asking her? You wouldn't ask a white girl this. And I just thought that was a very profound moment. I remember seeing that like early in her career. I've always respected him. I've always respected uh, the parents that went out of their way to kind of like build something for their children, whether it was Tiger yeah. Woods' dad or Serena and Vinia Williams' dad, or say what you want to say about Michael Jackson's dad, but him too as well. And you go on and go forth from there. But I can't wait to see this. The trailer looks good. It looks very interesting. I know they're going to have Compton concept to it. I know a few years ago her uh, cousin died in Compton. I think it's going to be really, really, really good. I watched the um, Tiger Woods documentary the other day. I kind of engulfed myself in that just to learn more about Tiger on Crave. That was mm. really, really good, man. I, it's, it's, it's re- You get to really see why he is the way he is when you see the way his father was. So it's very interesting. But... I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be a theater drop. Whenever it comes out, I'm not going to theaters, but I'm watching it online. And I'll, de- I think it's I'll definitely be good. watch it. It looks great. It looks amazing. And I actually think that um, 
I think that Serena and Venus actually have a hand in this. I think they all do. Movie. The whole I think, and does. the father. I think everybody's involved to be able to give it that not all, not only the authenticity, but to give them that backstory to make it so the characters and the actors can actually like play them well. So it looks like it's going to mm. be great. I can't wait. Right. <laughs> and speaking of movies, um, so, <laughs> your best friend who can play a tree. Yeah. Or who can play a transsexual or who can play anything she wants. So pretty much Scarlett Johansson, as you guys know, was Black Widow. And the movie finally came out after being delayed for what, like a year? And, you know, it drops, it comes out, and then she sues Disney. So <laughs> when this happened, I laughed. Because I was like, wait, wait, wait. You were at the MCU for 10 years. You become one of its biggest characters. Why are you suing them? Like, what happened? So looking into this, so pretty much Scott Johansson is suing Disney for, for what she believes is breaching of her contract. So originally, she claims that Black Widow was, was actually supposed to drop only in theaters at first before it hit Disney Plus streaming. Disney Plus then decided to simultaneously release it in theaters and on the Disney Plus server at the same time. And because of what um, because of what her involvement was in the movie, her earnings actually were taught depend her. The box office is what actually was going to help her with her compensation, like a large portion of it. So she was mad because originally it was just supposed to be, you know, theater cinema get it played and then streaming service because as you guys know on streaming to stream a movie for early access is about $30 which is much more money than a singular movie ticket as we know so she was mad about that and then ultimately then Disney turned around and said that what she was doing was what was the word that they used almost like she shouldn't be doing it that she should be grateful I guess in a way and saying how sad it was to see her do this oh that her claims were unfounded what's really interesting now the development. The mouse going to get you. So no, here's the development though. Disney now wants to have the litigation of this case behind closed doors and barred from the public. So this of is course, interesting. Because they don't want the other Marvel. The reason this is interesting is because if they're saying that her claims are unfounded, why does it need to be private? And that's what her lawyers are saying. They're saying but if you're saying that if it's unfounded, why do you need to hide what the litigation is? They want it to be so private that the documents actually would not be released to the general public. They want them like actually sealed, which is very rare. That normally doesn't happen. If they believe that they haven't done anything, this will come out. So she's still fighting it. And it is very interesting. So they want to actually have the case moved to a different state so that they can privatize it and make it so that the general public never actually finds out what happens internally with the litigation of this case. And I find mouse that fascinating. Also, off-topic, Scarlett Johansson gave birth to her second child with her new husband, the guy from SNL. Don't know his name. I think his last name is Joyst. Um, they had a boy, and his name is Cosmo. <laughs> That's totally not a part of this, but yeah, hey. Which, which people don't have to worry about children's names. Um, well, she has a daughter I, from that other French guy she was married to first. Married to before. Her name is Rose. That's normal. I'm not mad at what Scarlett Johansson's doing. I think she should get her money. I think the fact that people, or Disney, I should say, thinks that she should be thankful is complete bullshit because you wouldn't be here if you didn't have all of these movies that Scarlett Johansson and other characters were in. Scarlett Johansson's character was killed off in Endgame, and this was, you know, a predecessor of that, I guess. And yeah. I'm not sure if she's going to be in any other flashbacks in the future. So she um, probably doesn't have anything from, left to worry about. With no, Disney. not from my okay. understanding. So, her contract is actually so, over. 
So if that's the case, get that bag, Scholar. You got nothing left for Disney. Disney got nothing left for you. Get the bag. In all honesty, um, when it comes down to it, I'm not mad at her either, but when it comes down to it, if you have an exclusive part of your contract that stipulates that a large portion of your actual compensation, because I think she helped produce Black Widow, that is going to come from that, um, and you're told, mm. yeah, by the way, we're going to release it in the cinema first, and then we're going to release it on Disney Plus like a few weeks later, why would you simultaneously release it, which then impacts her earnings, not from the acting portion, but if she was a part, if she was like an executive producer or had any say where her name was given a credit, she's losing money. So I get why she's upset because she's like, you didn't do what you said you were going to. This is a breach of contract and I'm upset. Mm -hmm. I believe that when it comes down to it contractually, this is what that is. And she's like, no, you didn't do what we agreed upon. And now you have to compensate me. And I I agree with her. I think it's interesting watching some people say that she, that Scarlett Johansson, some people are saying that she should be, that she shouldn't do this, that she's being ungrateful. And I was like, listen, if you sign a contract and then you're supposed to get paid a certain amount of money. And then people say, oh, by the way, we're actually going to do this. So you're going to lose like this money, hundreds of thousands of dollars. You bet your ass I'm going to come after you. The people that do this are the same people who never ask for a raise at work. Okay. It's those <laughs> same people. So like, I'm not even like, it's money. You're going to tell her not to get the money because of what? Like, yeah. it's just complete stupidness. The one thing, and we always talk about this. I kind of want to bring it up here. Um, I don't think uh, the Black Widow movie really did this that I can remember. I don't believe so. So I want to give kudos to it. But Disney, you know, just Hollywood in general in the future. Um, and I've said I've with you many, many times. Mm-hmm. I know Hollywood's probably not listening to this, but just in case they are. Um, can we stop doing female-driven movies where we have to be reminded 24 seven that she is a female. And the part that annoys me the most about this is I grew up in an age where we had tons of female driven movies yeah. and they were just normal. There wasn't a big hoopla. They, they weren't playing like these female tracks. Like they weren't playing Survivor and like black leather and a little more smile. They weren't doing these like Powerpuff Girl songs through the whole thing. They didn't constantly have the image of the army lady with the muscle. None of that was happening back in the day. And I'm talking about movies like Tomb Raider. I'm talking about movies like even Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And that was only, that was like just a, just like a decade ago when that dropped. I'm talking about um, Nikita. I'm talking yeah. about Underworld. I'm talking about Resident Evil. I, would I can say go Resident on. Evil. There yeah. were so many female-driven movies where these females were the main character. They were killing people, and we didn't have to constantly. Like there wasn't like twenty different scenes where yeah. some man is like, "You're not gonna make it. You're not gonna do this. We're gonna put." And it, it just becomes so redundant. And the, the, the thing about it is. I could understand if Hollywood never did female-driven movies. This was the first yeah. time they've done it. But they actually haven't. They've been doing female-driven movies and female-driven TV shows since the 90s. I grew up on Xena the Warrior Princess, for God's oh sake. Oh, my God. Ali I love McBeal. me some Xena. Ali McBeal. Like, there's Nikita. There's so many. And now, I don't know why they're doing the parody shit now. I just, and I understand they're it's, trying to appeal to the woke mob. I get it. But it, it becomes so annoying. And I feel like it just is, ruins the movie for me. Disney Disney has done this. They did that with Captain Marvel. And D- DC's done it with, with the second Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. The first the one, no, Wonder but Woman. the second one. No, the one. second one, yes. When they, I think, yeah. I, I don't know if Disney was listening, 
But when that happened with Captain Marvel, people were, they were like, okay, we get the songs, but like, it, it didn't need to be like Marvel's strength is Captain Marvel's strength is her strength. And that's all Captain that really Marvel's probably the worst mattered. one. That was the and worst. That was where that it was. was. And then when you said. see, when you actually think about it and you see Black Widow, if, Hopefully no one who's listening hasn't seen it, just in case we release any spoilers, sorry. Um, they never really play off the fact of Black Widow. Yes, she's a female assassin, but it's not like this thing of, to remind us constantly that she's a woman and that she has empowerment. They just do it. They just constantly show her being capable and doing what she does and do like doing what she does best. Like, and, I, and I have an appreciation I, I feel like, for that. I feel like I'm watching these movies and the yeah. movie is set in today's time. And then they'll literally have a bunch of men acting like it's 1940s New York. They're like, you see that broad over there? Like, yeah. What? Who talks like that? Yeah. And it's just like, I had, a, I had an interesting convo that I want to bring up with you here. So, because me and my boy, me and DM um, have always talked about this and how it's just like pandering for no reason. And I started to realize, and I started to wonder, there's a lot of men and some women like yourself who get annoyed by the overly pandering that they're doing in these female-centric movies. And I started to wonder, I wonder if this is how white people felt when they were watching, when they watch black movies or movies that have a black character in it, especially the ones that came out in the 90s and early 2000s. Mm. In the 90s, early 2000s, you literally had movies where you had one black character who was literally just there to remind all the white people about their, about their like, privilege that's literally it whether it was chris rock or martin lawrence or eddie griffin or whoever it was in the film the black guy was literally there as like comic relief and just to remind the white people about their privilege and when i was younger that was kind of a trope that went on into the Mm -hmm. early 2000s and Mm -hmm. still kind of today and i had to really look back and i'm like okay white people probably sat there probably said the same shit I'll be like, yo, like, because whenever you saw a black person in a movie in that era, that's kind of what it was. I'll be sitting there saying the same shit, like, we get it, but it's the constant. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I, no, I think agree. about it that yeah. way. Do you, do, you, do you think that too? You can see that, right? I can see it. I mean, that might be a part of the way they feel. Obviously, we'll never actually know, but that could actually be a part of it of when they view it and they're like, okay, we get it, guys. Like, thank you for reminding us again. Yeah. I remember my boy was bringing up the point of like, no, it's not like that because it's a comedy. And I'm like, just because it's a comedy doesn't mean the joke hasn't gone dry, bro. They've been running that joke from like 95 to like 05. I don't see it so much anymore, but that I can imagine that must have been annoying. It's the constant because that's how kind of how I feel about the female driven. See that. But speaking of female driven things. A lot of people saw this in the past two weeks, and we weren't here, so we missed it. So we're talking about it now. Um, there was a marriage photo shoot done. Now, marriage photo shoots are done every single day. Great, wonderful, blessful things. It was an people engagement an, shoot. An engagement. Sorry, an engagement shoot. Their engagement photo. This was done with an interracial couple. Interracial couples do engagement photo shoots all the time. Happens every single day. Right? And I understand we live in an era where... Everything is amplified, you know. Now we have, uh, what do they call the the kid, um, the kid reveals, where oh, like some a, people, a reveal. yeah, some people will burst a bubble, but then you have people where it's literally like the way they have to reveal the gender is so abstract and nonsensical. Of like we're really doing this, but you know, anything for the gram. That's the era we live. In. Anything for the gram. So this was something that 
I don't know if it was done for the gram, but it was put on the gram and it was definitely stupid. Um, so this interracial couple that consisted of a black man and a white woman, they decided to do their engagement shoot with an antebellum slavery theme. Let me let me say it again. An antebellum slavery theme. Now, mind you, they could have done an antebellum theme and took out the slavery. It would have been hard, but they could have done it. You know, she could have came out in the little sundress with the church hat, with the ruffles and the white gloves and all the antebellum bullshit. And he could have came out dressed like her husband, but just black. Nobody would have said anything. They would have just thought, this is just some old-fashioned photo shoot. But the photo shoot literally had her dressed in a white dress and him dressed in a tattered shirt with holes that was kind of tan and a gray tattered pants that cut off at the knees. Um, and there was holes in both of these things. And he had shackles on himself. I want to know who idea was this? Who approved this? The photographer that took it, did you think this was going to help your career? Who is, I, I know, I know, I know we live in an era. I know we live in an era where social media makes these people believe that they are celebrities because they think that their followers, which are motherfuckers who just know them, are somehow their fans. And they believe that because they're celebrities, they have to go the extra mile to constantly impress their fans, no matter how much the lifestyle that they're portraying is fake or just expensive. And now they're in debt. I know we live in an era where people have happy relationships on social media and are getting cheated on and beaten behind closed doors. I know we live in an era where people pretend to be great fathers and mothers on social media and don't see the kids at all in real life. I know, but God, like, I just, what I want to know is like, how many times do people have to do stupid stuff and be fired and be ridiculed before they just think, why would this, this reminds me of what we, what we covered like two years ago when there was a school in the States and for Black History Month, the teachers decided to literally recreate slavery in the classroom and they did it particularly by race. But I'll let you talk on this. When I first, I can't remember if you sent it to me or what happened, but I remember seeing that and I just stood, I think I you sent it to me, actually. And I, sent, I think I saw it first and I just sat there. I actually thought it was a joke at first. I said, this no, this can't be real. I was like, this cannot be real. And then I realized, no, 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 it, it's real. Like they, they, they did that. And trying to romanticize slavery is disgusting it is i'm so mad even thinking about it it is i predicted it is, this by the way it is so but it's so disgusting and it is it like when i saw it i actually thought to myself i said how i'm like how how do you think that this is okay how I predicted there is already enough. There is already enough people who like to talk about. Oh, the master loved this. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Okay, he owned <laughs> gotta love those whoever it was and treated them like they were damn cattle and did whatever the hell that they want. That's not love. Yep. That's brutality, 
And that's disgusting that anybody would think that this is okay. That, mm. Mind you, I did predict this no. on this podcast and you Just are no. right. There are plenty of black people that we have met who I, I talk about this on the podcast, actually, I think maybe on the first or second we season have, yeah. where I talked about, I grew up with plenty of girls. I grew up in a Caribbean and African diaspora. So these people are of Caribbean and African descent, but I grew up with plenty of girls mostly Carib- all Caribbean ones, who would tell me things like, I'm Jamaican, but I'm also Scottish, Irish, Cuban, this, 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 this. And I never understood why you're just listing off the people that rape your great-great-grandmother. But I've noticed that in the Black population, we have a lot of people who think that the not, the, the any, any bit of not Black in them, whether it's African-Americans saying that they are Native or Caribbeans saying that they are part European, mainly because of rape, but they romanticize it as something else, as kind of a juxtaposition to their exoticism. And it's complete nonsense. We have we have heard Caribbean people. Well, I don't want to I don't want to pick on Caribbeans here, but we have heard black people do this our entire life, in terms of I'm half this and I'm half this, and you actually physically can't see the mixture because it's way back in the day. Or they tell you some, listen, I've been to people's houses, okay, where they literally have a picture. These people are as dark as me. The whole family is as dark as me. And they have a picture of their great-great-grandfather who literally has a picture in the family room next to Jesus, literally, and he's a white guy. And he's in like an army uniform and the whole family will go out of their way to tell you that that's their great, great grandfather. And in reality, that's the British guy in the early 1900s who was stationed in Jamaica, who fucked your great, great grandmother, left her with a kid and went back to England, AKA Bob Marley, AKA many people. But uh, you know, any proximity to whiteness, I guess is the bullshit, right? But just to get back on this main thing, I don't want to go for a tangent here. I predicted this. I remember when I came on this podcast and I talked about the fact that I, I hate it when black people compare things to slavery. I hate it when NBA players do it. I hate it when NFL players do it. I hate it when rappers do it. And I hate it when actors do it. This started like in the 2000s. Where whenever something happens, whenever you don't get the contract you want, whenever you don't get the money you want, whenever you realize that the contract you signed, the person has your royalties and you got to buy it back. People always compare it to slavery. And I said many times that we are going to diminish slavery. I don't see Jews comparing shit to the Holocaust, bro. You can't even talk about the Holocaust without Jews looking at you sideways and basically tearing your whole life apart. But we compare everything to slavery. And we're taking the brutality of slavery and turning it into some celebrity getting paid millions of dollars who's mad that he didn't get paid millions more. Mind you, he's justified for the millions more. I'm not bad about that, but it's not slavery. And now, lo and behold, slavery turned into a joke. To make a mockery of atrocities that happen to a people that almost destroyed them is disgusting. It is wrong. And no one should ever think that that's okay. Oh, it definitely destroyed them. All the bullshit we have today is that's, hence, that's the beginning of all that. <sighs> Listen, man. Um, I can't even say niggas are gonna nigga. I, I don't. Uh, Listen, whoever this brother is, 
he's already lost. Nothing I can say, but like, you don't have friends or family. Like, nobody said anything about this. Nobody there okay, well, said maybe not. this isn't a good idea. Maybe obviously and you know what the not. joke is? You send you send the engagement photos to your family. So the thing that I'm trying to wrap my head around is did she send the engagement photos of her husband in shackles kneeling below her to her family? And did he send those engagement photos to his family? Because engagement photos are treated like children's class pictures. Honestly, I don't even care. I don't. Well, you think about it that way. It's fucked up, ain't it? Yeah, I refuse. I refuse. It's, it's, it's messed up either way. I don't want that. No, I'm done. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm, so, I'm so disgusted. That's fine. That's fine. While we're on the slavery topic, since we're here, um, recently, a lot of people know about this, but Canada, you know, the great country of Canada we live in here, decided to make August 1st the Emancipation Day for slaves in Canada. Now... Canada is definitely dick riding Juneteenth. I think that goes far beyond anything we can say. Um, but let, let me explain like this. I've lived my whole life in Canada. I'm 31 years old. Canada has never acknowledged slavery when I was growing up. Canada didn't even teach the fact that they even had slaves when I was growing up. Every no, time it came to February... Like every time it came to February, all we ever did was learn about Black history. It was, And it was only Martin Luther King. That's just, that. That's where we started. We ended. Starting and ended. Maybe got a little Rosa Parks. That might be it. And we always looked at slavery as something that was American. Now, most Canadians who are black, especially in the GTA Toronto area, are of immigrant backgrounds. So we're not connected to Canadian slavery, and therefore we don't have the knowledge of it. The 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 black Canadians who live on the Atlantic coast, mostly Nova Scotia. They are the ones who are descendants of the Underground Railroad. They're the ones that are descendants of the Loyalists that fought mm -hmm. on the side of the British who were brought up here. And they are the ones that their family members went through slavery, whether it was in Nova Scotia, whether it was in Montreal, or whether it was in the GTA, Hamilton, Oakville, Burlington, pick your choice. People only really found out about this about a decade ago because social media started to talk about the fact that Canada had slavery. And then Canada lightly acknowledged it. But recently, Canada has been going through a hell of a hailstorm, as we said in our past episodes, mm -hmm. due to the fact that every single month they find another graveyard of buried children who were raped, sexually abused, whatever the case may be, by the residential schools that they were in. So I believe because of the residential school issue that's going on, because America just passed Juneteenth, and I believe most of the states, not, not all the states, I believe it is. I, I think, think Canada's I think Canada's trying to ride the bandwagon of that. And they decided to come out with their own Emancipation Day, which is August 1st. I don't know the symbolism of August 1st. I just know that August 1st is the Emancipation Day for slaves in Canada. For my Black Canadians who live on the Atlantic coast, this may be a big celebration for them. So I don't want to taint it because for all we know, for all we know, mm -hmm. the Atlantic people on the, the black people on the Atlantic coast might've been the ones that fought for this for years. Definitely. They might I would love to know why it. August 1st though. I would like so to know if that's, that's actually the day it happened or if it has to do with that. If, if anyone exactly. who's listening is from the Atlantic coast and is a part of this, let us know. Cause I would love to know what the importance of the date is, if it has any at all. Cause I want to know if this is something that the black people in Nova Scotia and the Atlantic coast have been fighting for, and it just happened to drop now, mm -hmm. or if this is something that Canada just putting out there for the pandering, 
I don't know. Mind you, it didn't have a big rollout. We heard That's about true. this on a YouTube clip. It wasn't a big rollout for it, but it is It is real. It is notified. I've already approved it. But yeah, so um, I don't know how many Black Canadians are going to be celebrating this because 80% of the Black Canadians are immigrants. So it might just be the small 20% that live in Nova Scotia and the present communities. They mm-hmm. may celebrate it. I don't know if people in Toronto or the other parts of Canada who are Black will celebrate it. But to let you guys know, we have an Emancipation Day for Slavery in Canada, August 1st. I would love to know more about the background of that date. I want to know if it's significant, because I feel like if you're going to do that, the date should actually hold a type of significance to those people that it actually impacts. I would agree. But that's the thing. I don't know if they fought for this. And that's no, why I'm not. skeptical like, like, about really bashing it too much, because I really don't. Yeah, yeah, no, no, agreed. I would just love to know, I, like I keep saying, the date, is the date hold any relevance? Is it important? I would love to know that part. That way you can mm. actually tie it in to understand it better. Just saying a date doesn't mean anything. Agreed. So. And earlier in the podcast, we talked about Shakaria Richards being a dutty gal. And I just wanted to touch on some dutty people as well. So recently, there has been this whole social media craze of white celebrities coming on yeah. to talk shows and podcasts and discussing the fact that they don't bathe. Now, you brought up a point where you think that it's probably fake and they're just doing this for, for jokes. Because I'm starting to see sense. your point. I'm starting to see a point. I'm starting, <laughs> okay. I'm starting to think that it's for jokes. So first, it was Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis. And they talked about the fact that they don't bathe every day and they don't bathe their kids. Ashton Kutcher says every three days he washes his um, armpits and his private parts every three days, bro. Yeah. And that's it. And then they and only they, wash the kids when they can see the dirt. Um, yeah, and didn't didn't um weren't they on the podcast with Dak Shepard and his wife? Uh, what is her name? You know her name. She's Veronica Mars. What is her name? Oh, um. Oh my gosh! Saving Sarah Marshall. Um. Why can't I remember her name? She's the voice of Gossip Girl. Okay. What is her name? I can't okay. remember right now. But Gossip they, Girl. I thought Veronica Mars is saving Sarah Marshall, right? Yeah, but she's also the voice of Gossip Girl. That oh, really? she's the voice of Gossip. Girl. she's the voice of Gossip Girl on the show. Um, but I can't remember her name. It's gonna drive me nuts. But Veronica Mars is her name. It's Christian Bell. Thank you. They were on. I think. I think they talked about this. Dak Shepard, who is Kristen Bell's husband. I think that they were on a podcast with Ashton and Mila because they have a podcast, and that's when they started talking about how they don't bathe or wash their children, and they wait for them to either smell or you can see the dirt. And then after that, who came out after that? Was it after that? It was Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal then said that. And then Matt Damon got it. I was like, listen, I was like, this is not real. I was like, I think that they think this is a funny topic and they're just running with it for jokes because it, it, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. No. Also, think, why are you discussing your bathing habits? I think, I think Mila Kunis habit? and them was real. I think everybody right, else think after Mila Kunis was But real. also too, why are you talking about your bathing habits and the fact that you don't wash yourself or your children? I, I just want to say one thing. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, under, I like I understand bathing. <laughs> I understand that there's this scientific proven concept about you need natural oils. So for instance, most people don't wash their hair every day. I wash my hair probably once a week, but Well, it depends on the hair uh, type you have. There are people I, who are Caucasian exactly, who wash exactly. their hair every day because their hair gets very oily. Exactly. But I, I condition my hair every other day. Now, I know there is this concept, people use that same concept for skin, where they think that um, the natural oils is good for your skin. Now, 
I just, okay. Natural oils are good for your skin, but if you overproduce oil, you end up getting clogged pores, ironically, and then your skin breaks out. I just, I just, I just want to say this, okay? Because these people live in the first world, living in America, and they're also of the 1%, so they're extremely rich. Okay. We don't live in 1930s Europe where there was no shower. People used to bathe and to conserve water. You they used to use the same bath water. And they, sometimes used use it, and they also used to use the same bath water. Yeah. At one point family. to conserve water. Yeah, they used to conserve, conserve back water. backwashing nuts. We don't live in this era anymore. You live in America. You are part of the 1%. Water is virtually free. You're not in Flint, Michigan. I don't see why you are so afraid to bathe. To water, yeah. This is I like, when I hear, when I heard that, it. I thought of all those historic videos that I've watched where like men who would be on ships if they had women would write their woman and say, do not bathe until I return. And I'm like, that's gross. I can't remember if it was a, yeah, it was a historical video. I think it may have been a lover of Napoleon. Actually, I'm thinking about that he wrote that letter too. But, <laughs> but yeah, like at that point, water was like highly coveted. It also was hard to come by when it was clean. I get it. Way back in the day. It. I understand I that. That's also but, how a lot of diseases spread from the lack of clean drinking water and lack of water in general. This is kind of where I'm going with this. But so, now. So like. What do you mean? The, thing, the, the reason why this annoys me is because. The Black Plague or the Bubonic Plague, which is the worst plague that ever touched civilization, whatever. Is that where Ring Around the Rosie comes from? Isn't that where Ring Around the Rosie comes from? Yes. And that plague murdered off 50% of Europe and about 30% of all of Asia. That plague was not a plague like COVID. Yeah. It It was basically a plague that was carried by rats and bugs because Mm -hmm. people didn't bathe. If you know anything about the bubonic plague, there was no cure for the bubonic plague. The bubonic plague killed people in mass amounts. And all they could do was burn bodies to stop the infection from the infected flesh. But the cure for it was to bathe. The reason why the bubonic plague happened is because people were throwing shit out their windows. Yep, into the street. they had rats in the streets. So the bubonic plague basically happened because of uncleanliness. Now, the yep. Moors of Africa, the Moors of Africa already taught the Europeans how to bathe. And for the black people listening, the Moors of Africa were not black. I know people love to think everything in Africa was black. The Moors of Africa were the modern day Berbers. Those are the Moors who live in Morocco and Tunisia, and they were Berbers. Berbers look very similar to Arabs. They're basically identical to non-Middle Eastern people, but they're just two different cultural groups. The same mm-hmm. way you have Persians and Arabs that look very similar to different cultural groups, okay? But they were not black people, but these brown people taught the Europeans how to bathe. And that was years ago. And I don't know why this is such a hard context to understand. Me neither, I, I don't get it. I. I, I, I get if you're broke. People are rich. Like, it just doesn't make any sense why they would even think that this is, oh, I'm not going to bathe my children until I see dirt. It's fine. You do know like that said, once you don't bathe and you, and like you sweat and you perspire and you're moving, you eventually start to smell because listen, it's bacteria. 
it is no no it but it's so it's but it also turns into a bacteria on the survey that starts to smell like you start to I smell like you know, know that, like you start to smell like sour mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, it's like it i don't know so, why it is it is so hot outside it is so goddamn hot outside yeah right so humid right now that you step outside for an hour and you start to sweat and then you start to smell now imagine holding on to that scent yeah. For three days. And then you got to sleep in the same bed as the other person that stinks. And then you're mm. living in the house with four other people that stink. Listen, Do they brush their fucking teeth too? It is so hot that even if I shower in the morning, I actually take a cool shower like at night so I can go to bed. Because I perspire if I go outside. Like I don't, I, I like getting into my bed fresh. Okay. Like, <laughs> I don't understand. I just I don't understand. I just like the water is not going to hurt you unless it's contaminated. Okay, let's let's <laughs> let's move on. I I said we had some bullshit and I'm sorry. But it's fine. So Quentin Tarantino, uh the number one nigga user um in the world, um decided on a podcast to let us know that he vowed to never give his mom money. He explained that when he was younger and he would write his stories, his mom was not encouraging and she told him that he would never make it and he needs to stop writing his little stories. It's like when someone tells you about your little job. And yep. now Quentin Tarantino has been rich since, I don't know, the mid-90s or the early 90s. And he's never given his mother a dime. I know we already covered when Jackie Chan said he wouldn't give, he wouldn't leave his kids a dime because he believes that his children are not... <laughs> Um, responsible enough. Now, mind you, Jackie Chan is not going to pass for another, like, 30 years, and I think his child could change, but, you know, people feel the need to tell their family business to the public. Now, Quentin Tarantino deciding not to give his mom money, I'm halfway on this, because I do understand that, like, when people shit on your dreams, and when Mm -hmm. they tell you you're not going to make it, sometimes you use that as motivation to make it. I definitely have. Um, but, but this is your mother. Now I don't know their relationship, so I'm just speaking here vaguely, but this is the person that raised you and kept you alive to a certain point. He never told us the mother beat him or anything crazy. He just said she didn't believe in his dreams. Now, I don't know if that means that she's like a regular mother who's like, get a job with benefits. Or if she was just like, you ain't shit. The way he described it was like, you ain't shit but i don't know it's it's hard man like as much mind you as much as i may not dis as if i was him as i'm saying as much as i may as him just like my mother if i'm as rich as quentin tarantino quentin tarantino has to have like 500 million dollars or more at this point i don't know to not give her nothing i do respect him that he kept the same energy though Here's the thing, though. He specifically said he wasn't giving her any money. So Mm -hmm. my take on this is the thing. If you have a parent who decides to tell you that your dream is foolish and that you're never going to make it, yes, like you said, you can use that to actually make it. But if they never actually stood by you and said, you know what, at least try I don't think that they're entitled to any of the money that you made because they didn't. Oh no, she's definitely it. not entitled. It was, it no was, it was your, it was your actual drive. Yes, they may have said something to you, but your his creativity is what made him who he is today. Fact. Now he, he specifically said he didn't give her money. 
he never specified that she doesn't live well. And he never specified that she doesn't have like an okay life. It's not like she's living on the street. You don't have to physically give somebody money for them to do well. He could have easily just been like, you're my mom. I'm not giving you any money. But for all we know, he could have bought a house. It could be in his name. So she can't sell it. Speaking of living on the street, that actually reminds me. So it's like, I was just saying, so pretty much it's like he doesn't necessarily have to give her any money for her to reap a benefit from him. For all you know, he could have paid off the mortgage on the house and she's living okay. That's true. It's not actually, he, he said, I don't, I didn't give her any money. So it made us actually be like putting money in her bank account. He could be talking about for all we know. Or maybe he's not giving her a red cent and not helped her at all. But like, why should I give you any help? I, I completely agree that yes, it's his mother. But if someone pretty makes, makes you feel as if it, your dream is ridiculous and they don't mm. believe in you, it's really, really hard to want to continue to help them, even if they are your parent. Because you're like, well, now you're li- now I'm helping you with the money that you told me I would never have. So why should you benefit from all my hard work and my creativity when you didn't help feed it? You know what? I, I'm not completely against what you're saying because you have another case uh, this week where you have, um, so for instance, Dr. Dre has a 38-year-old daughter. Is it mm-hmm. Dr. Dre? Yes. Dr. Dre has a 38-year-old daughter who has been on social media for the past month while he's been going through his divorce with his wife and catching strokes. And she's talking about the fact that she is homeless, living in her car. She has two kids and her father's not helping her. Then we find out that Dr. Dre has literally gave her everything she wanted for her entire life and decided to cut her off at 35, three years ago. And in three years, she went completely broke. So I can understand why Dr. Dre doesn't feel comfortable taking care of a grown ass person who obviously with every advantage given to them in life, just can't manage to get it together. I don't know if she's just using the money. Exactly. So I think it is, it is a, sometimes it is a case by case basis. Yes, I'm saying his daughter obviously had opportunities being Dr. Dre's daughter. And what does she do? You know, you know, you know what it also is with Quentin Tarantino's mom. Like, there, there's a there's a book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? Mm-hmm. And they have a very good quote in the book where the the writer of the book he talks about the fact of people people that grow up in I don't want to say poor backgrounds, people that grow up in I guess middle class to poor backgrounds, right? What usually happens is you grow up in an environment where a lot of it's not that people tell you you can't do something, but the way that he was describing it is you're growing up in an environment where, for instance, nobody is an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So when you have an idea to go against the grain and do something, people look at you like you're crazy. Yeah. They're like, so you don't want a job with benefits? Why can't you just get a regular job? Why? And I've seen this. I've seen this many times. As soon as if you come from a family of people that work and you decide to be an entrepreneur, they will question you along the way until you make it because no one's ever taken that road before. But he was explaining that when you come from a family of entrepreneurs or a family that is rich, for instance, and you decide to parallel your life in that way, it's much more easier because people can see the vision, right? So obviously yes. his mom couldn't see the vision, sadly. Yeah, I kind of just kind of interesting but uh speaking of parents who kind of benefit from the children i don't know if you guys know britney spears's dad jamie spears has finally decided to step down from the conservatorship that he has held for the past 13 years 
And this is a huge win for her because she's been trying to get her dad to like get the hell out. And he has made so much money off of his child being in charge, being her conservator to the point where her Uh attorney, her attorney actually plans on investigating and questioning her father under oath because he plans to depose him to find out exactly everything that has been going on for the past 13 years. Because I think for me, the thing that was the most shocking was hearing that Britney Spears is mentally ill and she's unhealthy Yet you as her conservator, also her father, said, no, but it's okay for you to have a tour and a residency and this. But apparently you're sick. It's uh, so she, so she she's not she's not she's not mentally capable of taking care of herself or being in charge of her money or or not being depressed and potentially self-harming. But it's okay to put her on a world stage and have her travel the globe. It's okay for her to have a Vegas residency. It's okay to have her be perform. It's okay for her to do all these things when she apparently they, is not they all They won't there. even take out joking? her IUD. They won't even take out her IUD so she can have children. That's what I'm trying to say. But you're telling me that this woman who needs help, it's okay for her to keep working so that your ass can get paid? But apparently she's well, yeah. not well. So that's why I was so happy to see that he will, he actually willingly stepped down. I also think because the attorney that Britney Spears has, he's a former prosecutor who was like amazing or something like that. So going up against him, I guess, wasn't worth it. But to be deposed and find out exactly what you have been up to for the past 13 years, because he was very, very, very private about it in the sense of hiding it where even she didn't know what was going on is going to be quite interesting if you find out that there was some type of action that should have been taken for him to be removed earlier. Now, just just so we know, she's not out of the conservatorship. From my understanding, removing a conservatorship has never actually happened in the States. Apparently, once you get into one, it's like next, it's near impossible to get out. Um, It hasn't been removed, but now instead, she has actual people who deal with money and who are a trust, who this is their job, who now are in charge of it, instead of having your father who knows, who doesn't really know what he's doing. for me, what it is, if he started off this conservatorship with the best of intentions to help his daughter, okay, but it obviously turned into a, it's a job and it turned into a money game because he was making a six figure salary off of his child, taking care of her. And to keep that money going, even though she was sick, he was like, no, you're going to perform and you're going to tour and you're going to release an album and you're going to have the residency because how else is that pot money of money pot going to keep filling if she's not working? Because he's making six figures off of his child for the past 13 years. So he's made himself very rich. He's trash. I I think I, I I'm not I'm not negating your lawyer um example. But I feel like this is an example of kind of what happened to R. Kelly and what happened to Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. where as soon as the social media became aware or more aware of the situation, that's yeah. when things start to happen. So the, R- the reason why R. Kelly is in jail is because the Surviving R. Kelly documentary came out, realistically. If that documentary never came out, R. Kelly would not be in jail. And then similar with Michael Jackson. So when it comes to her, I think it's because of the mass media protests that he's realizing it's not worth it. But that just could yeah. be my theory. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I remember when the whole Free Britney hashtag started, I didn't really get it. And I was like, why are they Frank? What are you talking about? And then I was like, oh, she's in it. And I didn't, I didn't understand fully what a conservatorship was until I realized that once you're in a conservatorship, literally you can't get out. Like you're never free. 
And I, and I thought to myself, that must be, that must be so gut-wrenching to know that you've lost complete, complete control, not only over yourself, but of your businesses and your money, because you can't be trusted. But then the flip side is, okay, if she can't be trusted, why is she still performing? Why are you still making this girl work I've, I've, when it's obvious I'm that I'm surprised she the judges break? are still allowing this to go through because it's so obvious that it's bullshit, but... No, just from research, from me looking into it alone, it is, it's like, it's, it's almost near impossible to get out. I, I haven't come across anybody who's successfully been freed from one of these. If it does happen, that will set a precedent for anyone who has been put into a conservatorship against their will. When in reality, it's not the fact that they are crazy. It's the fact that they, she's been performing since she was a child. She needs a break. She just needs to be left alone. And all honesty, I think she just wants to be left alone to live her life with her children. Her money will still be there because her albums still sell. People still love Britney Spears. Her music still gets licensed. She will be okay. And I honestly think that she just wants to like not be the Britney Spears that we all know and like love, I guess. Because she's, yeah, she's, she's a person behind. Yeah, she wants to just be Britney the mom to her kids. She just wants to be that. She just wants to like, you know, go on vacation, go shopping, go to her children's soccer game. I don't know if they play soccer, but you know what I mean? Just be a I, person. I feel bad for Brennan. I feel like bad it sucks. for Brennan. And this is, this is, this is on the world stage, like turned up to a hundred. Like this is crazy. But I am happy to see her dad has stepped down because she's been fighting so hard to get him to step down that for her to want for, to hear that she is just so disgusted says a lot because he went from being her dad to being her keeper and literally locking her up and only letting her out to perform. That's what it feels like to me anyway. I feel like he was always her keeper. That's how she was on Star Search. That's how she got a career. I just Actually, feel like he's no. always been Actually, like no, he hasn't. When she was on those things, he wasn't there. It was her mom. Brittany was that the one who right. wanted to perform. That is, that her is dad, her, remember, her dad apparently, I think, had a drinking problem way back in the day. It wasn't him. It was her mother. It was her mother, Lynn, who helped Brittany get to where she is. By taking her to auditions, taking her to these places, doing all of that was the mother, not the dad. He came in after the fact his daughter became the pop princess. Well, speaking about shit-ass parents, <laughs> we, have another, we have another topic. Go ahead, Brittany. Introduce this claff-ass shit. All right. Made her claff of the month. Go ahead. Here's the thing. Okay, there's this woman. I don't know her name. We don't need to know her name. There's a woman who released a series of videos. I'm not sure if they were released first on TikTok and then hit social media because you know how people screen grab. They look like they're in a TikTok video at first. She released a series of clips speaking about her 13-year-old son and the fact that she has the intention of when he's 14 to take him to the doctor and give him a vasectomy. And as you watch these videos, oh, also, if you don't know what a vasectomy is, a vasectomy is when you pretty much go into a man's junk and snip it. And to stop him from being able to ejaculate for him to be able to release sperm so he ultimately can have kids. Um, but if that's he's four, he's 13, guys. He's not doing this yet. But uh, she decided that when he turns 14, she wants to take him to the doctor to have that done because she hates men and she thinks men are trash. And she believes that her son is going to be the exact same. And her way of stopping her son from being this way is to stop his ability from having children. She then further on went to say that a vasectomy can be reversed. From my understanding, a vasectomy is an irreversible procedure. From my understanding, medically, from what I've looked up. And then she said, oh, but if he wants to have kids, they can just go in 
and get the sperm and fertilize it. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, first off, so you think that people have money to be able to do in vitro? Because that's what that is. Taking if he has decides he wants kids, he has to then go pay somebody hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that because you decided to cut them off because you hate men and men are trash. And the thing is, well, she publicly released these things online and then she tried to defend herself, saying that this is what she believed in. This is ultimately disgusting. And I don't know what doctor in their right mind, what surgeon no one's would ever no allow. One's hold on, do because it. she no hold on because she believes that she can do this. I don't understand where she thinks any surgeon doctor in their right mind would ever do that to her teenage son. And the way that she feels about men, I can only imagine how her son must feel right now. And the fact that feeling that his mother hates him because he's a male, that is disgusting. So let's, let's go back to when I talked about these things earlier on this podcast. Let's go back to when I've been talking about this shit for years no, I know, but I'm just saying that no, the, no, the fact on, that she, on, she's know, literally know, raising know, her son in a sense where she know, hates him because he's a boy. Women, women do this every day. But what I'm saying is, let's go back, okay? And I was having this conversation in a WhatsApp group, and I know all the members of that WhatsApp group of this podcast, so we can definitely develop on this later when they hear this. But years ago, me and my boy DM Cool, that you guys know, we used to bring up these points and I don't know if I'm just good at foreshadowing things. I don't know. I'm a sociologist. Maybe I can see human behavior and see where the bullshit's going to go in the future, but I've been right about these things across the board. I remember when I remember when I was a kid, when you would see movies like, and this woman is black, but I remember when I was a kid, when you would see movies like waiting to exhale, and Waiting to Exhale was the first movie of its kind. It was the first all-female cast where it was a bunch of women talking about their trials and tribulations with mm-hmm. men. First of its kind. It was a great movie. Nothing wrong with it, right? It had very expressive scenes. Angela Bassett burning the car and shit. But it was a good movie. The problem is that once somebody does one thing that is popular, everybody rides it. And since then, we have had a multitude of black movies that just demean the hell out of black men. Like, it's not enough that he cheated on you, but he gave you AIDS, he fucked your mother, molested your sister, stole your money, beat you, just goes on and on and on and on and on. And I have said that I have seen the culmination of this. I remember when I was in college, in university specifically, and I met black girls who never dated white guys one day in their life. But they they didn't even have white friends. But they would have this whole idea that white men were, and we talked about this in the interest dating episode, this whole idea that white men were miraculously better. And when I kept thinking about it, and when I asked them questions, I realized that all of this came from media. And I broke it down. If you're a young black girl, and you watch black romantic comedies, or black romance, whatever you want to call them, it's the same paradigm I just told you. It's always a black woman who's down on her luck. She got five kids, five baby daddies, takes no accountability for none of the bullshit she made. One kid by one nigga is one thing. Five kids by five different niggas, you got to take some sort of accountability. It doesn't take none. Living on welfare, and then all of a sudden, some six-foot-tall diesel doctor decides to take care of her, whip her off her feet, and do all sort of bullshit. And they created this savior complex. Okay. I watch this happen. And if you're a young black girl 
and you watch those movies, all like black romantic movies are like trauma fillers. Because it's just black men beating on black women all day. Because for some reason, we as black people, the only narrative we like to show is this narrative for some fucking reason. And then you go and you watch white romantic comedies as a young black girl. And you watch The Notebook, you watch this, you watch that. And you, these movies are completely different. Mm-hmm. The guy is endearing to the woman. He's vulnerable. He talks about how much he loves her. He goes out of his way. The nigga fights a war for her. The nigga travels across countries for her. Look at the notebook. The guy waited 60 years for the pussy, okay? And you see this shit. So I get it. I understand that as a young, impressionable black girl growing up, once you get to a certain age, you start to believe that if I date someone like who's white, I can have this reality. And if I date someone who's black, this is my reality. Okay. Now, going back to waiting to excel. Okay. Prior to the baby boomers, the World War II generation, everybody was married across the board. 99% marriage rate and shit, right? Mm -hmm. Then when the baby boomers came out, the generation after the war, that was the generation where for some reason, all of those men that were born in the 40s and 50s who then had kids in the 60s, 70s, and 80s decided not to father their kids. It was that generation. And the females of that generation grew up in the 90s and they created Waiting to Excel, which was based off their reality. And I can respect that. But then everybody did the same thing. (sighs) I talked about this shit, man. Now we have a generation. So basically there's a whole generation in the seventies and eighties of women that were raised by single mothers, women that were raised by single mothers who were raised in poverty, raised in poverty, who are bitter, single mothers raised in poverty, who are bitter, who believe that if they had a man, they would have had a better life. Reasonably true. No one's denying that. The problem is that parents often ruin children. Because a lot of these parents will sit there and talk about this all day long. Your father wasn't shit. You're just like your father. Your father ain't shit. Every woman I've dated has told me this story. Okay? And whenever I've met women who have haven't even been burned by a nigga before. But they hate, they hate niggas. Niggas ain't shit. Da-da-da-da-da. Nas this. Nas that. The fact that they even mentioned Nas was highly disrespectful. NAS. I get it. <laughs> niggas ain't shit. And every single time I get to the bottom reason of why, I realize that they themselves were never hurt by a nigga. But they just said that my whole life, I grew up hearing my mom just complain about black men specifically all day, all day, all night. Mind you, their mother has five other children by five other niggas. Again, accountability summer, right? But, and they inherited their mother's bitterness. And you now have a generation of women that have grown up inheriting their mother's bitterness, who half of them haven't even been hurt by a nigga. And then they have all the television female driven shows that just add to it and they normalize the fact that black women are perfectly normal to hate black men. And I talked about this when I was in college, when I used to see this war online back in 2012 and 13 of black men and black women going at each other. And now we live in a generation where I just constantly see black women just bashing black men. We don't need men. I heard a whole article on social media and a video of a woman saying, we don't need men. We can just, we can just have babies. Da, 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 da. Me and you used to work with a girl 
We used to work with a girl who grew up in a two-parent household. She had a stepdad. She grew up in a rich-ass area and would talk about the fact that she doesn't want a man. She just wants a kid. And we said, yep. what? And she said, yeah, I just want to have a kid. And we're like, so you're just going to look for a suitor? She said, yeah. I'm like, but why would a man just actively have a kid with you and not be there? And then I thought, somebody probably might. And then I thought, isn't that selfish for the kid? Because it's one thing to get older and tell the kid, listen, your daddy's not here for this, this, and this reason. It's another thing to say, I chose not to give you a daddy. Yeah. You realize it takes two people to raise a kid for a reason. I'm not saying kids can't be raised by a single mother. It happens every day. Sometimes you get fantastic people, LeBron James, the list goes on. But the majority of children raised by single mothers, statistically, don't do well. The large majority, despite the exceptions that we look at, like Jay-Z and LeBron and say, yeah, I can do it, right? So yeah. why would you choose? If you asked any of these single mothers logically, if they weren't in their own bitterness, if they would love to have a man in the house, they would say yes. But this girl was choosing it. And we met this woman back in 2016. And now we're living in a social media generation that is fueled by this shit, mainly in black social media. In white social media, yes, there are the white liberal girls who think that all white men are colonizers and all this, even though they benefited off all that bullshit to kiss my ass. But then you have women who can't, it's the every day. And I said, this stuff, is going to come to a breaking point. Yeah. I remember back in 2000 and I remember back in 2000, yeah, 2012, when me and Daniel used to have conversations with a bunch of people in my family, other friend groups, and we would always talk about the fact that we are seeing this emerging culture of black women expecting to be taken care of demanding that a man takes care of them. A man should do this. And this was all backed by religion and it was all backed by these rich black men who went on social media like Steve Harvey and, and um, Tyler Perry and Derek Jackson, ironically, who were rich, who would then compare their lives to normal people, as Steve Harvey would say, my wife doesn't work. And if, 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 your, if your man makes you work, he's not a real man. Steve Harvey is a part of the 1%. Uh, why? I don't even get why these rich celebs take their reality and push it onto regular people. And then these stupid people go in their real lives and ruin their own marriages and relationships because they believe that they should have this type of life. We live in an economy now where if you are living in any metropolitan area on this planet, you need a two household income to afford property. Yep. It's no longer 1940, as much as I know Black social media wants us to go back to that so much. It's no longer 1940. One household income cannot take care of a whole family unless you make more. There's only 1% of men that make over 100K in the world. In the world. As much, as much men as you know that make 100K in the US and Canada, there's far more men that make the average amount of 45 to 50K. Yeah, that's true. And most of the men that make 100K usually, and those men usually marry women that have the same education. So you're stuck to the entertainers who you can marry, but are going to use, abuse you. You're going to be having threesomes. You're, you're going to be getting disrespected and you're just going to have to take it for the paycheck. And a lot of people don't mind that type of lifestyle. So it is what it is. But we, and I've always been right about this shit. I said this, and now, so I 
2012. And now we're in 2021. And I remember talking about this and people were like, oh, you're exaggerating it. Oh, that's just some woman. Now we're in 2021. And every time I turn on black Twitter or any black social media, this is all I see. I lie. It's not all no, you're right. You're right. And now we have this system who puts her face on camera and does a whole monologue about how she hates men and men ain't shit because her daddy didn't want to be with her, whatever the fuck she said. And then she decides to say that she is going to get her 14-year-old son. 13. Sorry, 13. 13-year-old son. And when son he's 14, she's going to take when him. When he gets 14. You are going to take away his God-given ability to have kids. The same way you have a God-given ability to have kids. I'm not saying everybody can access it, but you are going to take it away from him before he can even make the decision of whether he wants to have kids. It's very similar to the argument of people trying to give their children sex changes before they're 18 as well. What if this kid gets older and wants to have a kid? And as you mentioned, he may not have the money to get his sperm taken out. That costs thousands of dollars. And this is all because you are bitter and it's being fueled by all the bullshit you see on social media. Yeah. And so she's taking out her aggravation and frustration on a child that she brought into this I world that she was supposed to be this. able to born to protect. But no, I that's wrong. Like, she's wrong. A decade ago, a decade ago. And everybody thought I was exaggerating this shit. Now look where the fuck we are. I think for me in those clips, one of the things that I didn't actually think she would admit it is when she fully says she does. She needs to be arrested and charged for child, like for some child endangerment or something disgusting because she actually publicly put out. She's like, yes, I she literally said, yes, I do. In fact, hate men. I was like, what? And the way that she she said it with such confidence too, like she did not care. She, she, no, she's wrong. She, she needs to be arrested. Something, someone needs to look into what's going on in her home life and make sure that she's not mistreating her son. I talked about this shit and I said this shit was going to get. That's literally a form of abuse. Yes, it is. That's literally a form of abuse. This is, this is like, um, I'll give you an example. Imagine a father having a 13 year old girl that just got her period and he's giving her some type of pill that's going to make her 13 year old girl that just got the period. He's giving her a pill to make her reach menopause yeah. early. So now she can't have kids. Do you know how fucking crazy that is? This is like, this is like, this is like when T.I. when, yeah, this is like when T.I. was, was announcing that he checks his daughter's hymen every week to make sure she's a virgin and a woman's 18. This is the culture that we have been promoting since the 90s. This is the culture that has been surfacing. This is the culture that I've been talking about for years and people have denied it. People have pretended like it's not gonna happen and it's only going to get worse. We now live in a culture where if you go on social media, it's like every black woman just wants money and every black guy just wants fake ass and fake tits. And I've said this many times when all, these people are all going to get married to each other, whatever the case they're going to do. They're going to have children and then they're going to reach 40 and they're going to get accustomed to the dick and the pussy and the money. And then we're going to see a mass divorce, probably bigger than the one in the prior stages. We're just going to see more broken homes. As much as people talk about mental health, these motherfuckers just passing down their trauma. All of these movies like waiting to exhale, were passing down their trauma. Yeah. Most of the girls that I grew up with didn't even have no trauma to cling on to besides these fucking movies. But now 
being this way has become synonymous with being a black woman. So not the same exact way how in the 90s, being gangster became synonymous with being a black man. So yeah. now you have a bunch of black women that being like this is synonymous with who they believe they are supposed to be. My God. I am so glad I'm not a single. Have fun to all my single brothers out there. It, I've, holy shit. Jesus Christ. Je I talked about this. I, I talked about this for so, and people laughed. Oh, just, do, 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 do. look what's happening. I remember when I used to talk about when I was university and I would hear this type of talk, people were like, oh, that's just some people. And I'm like, okay. Now it's everybody. I literally go on social media and I see black women from the age of 18 to literally 40 years old on social media, making stories, making posts, calling into Kevin Samuels, asking how I can get a rich guy. What? Most, all of them are loving hip hop who are sitting there fighting over men, comparing whatever wealth they have from whatever guy they sucked the dick off last week. Those women are in their 30s. They're not young. Those are 30-year-old women. And that's a top-rated show for black women on television. Love and fucking hip-hop, depending on what city it is. This is the shit that we're promoting. We went from girlfriends to this clap shit. <laughs> and this shit that everybody watches. Shit that we, this, is, this is what's defining the culture now. Why now? I talked about this shit, eh? People laughed. It's only going to get worse because social media just emphasizing it and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And this woman had the balls to say it. Imagine all the women who hate men, and there's a lot of them. And imagine all the sons that they're raising. They're not the ones that are going to give their sons a vasectomy, but they're definitely going to give those sons, they're definitely going to give their sons low self-esteem, different complexes. Yeah. That's when it's... <sighs> My God. Again, Pontius Pilate, man. I wash my hands of this shit. Jesus fucking Christ. You know what? Um, let's jump right into some other cultural shit that has adapted black female culture. OnlyFans, since we're on the topic. So OnlyFans... Jesus Christ, man. Oh my God. Remember and remember and do the right thing when Spike Lee would constantly say, wake up. Wake up. That's what the fuck I feel like. Or when Damon Wayne's in um Um Don't Be a Menace in South Central while drinking juice in the hood will constantly say, no, it was Keenan Ivory Wayne's message. These fucking idiots. So OnlyFans, starting in October, will be taking off their pornographic video. What that means is pornographic videos of all kinds are no longer allowed on OnlyFans. And when it comes to pictures, pictures are only allowed if it's just the body, no insertion. So you can't have a picture of you fingering yourself, putting stuff into your pussy. I can't believe I have to actually have this conversation but you can't have videos or pictures of any of this. So basically, Instagram has now turned into Playboy from the night. You mean OnlyFans? Sorry, OnlyFans basically. <laughs> OnlyFans has now turned into Playboy from the 90s. You are only allowed to put up pictures. You can be as nude as you want, but no insertion. So it's just soft core pictures. Uh, now, 
there's people that I know who have OnlyFans that I went to high school with who are, you know, being a woman on OnlyFans, showing the pussy like everything else we just spoke about has now become a cultural thing. So, you know, it is what it is. So a lot of these women are doing it for the sake of culture. It's the it thing. It's the popular thing, whatever the case is. So there's about three girls I know from my high school that have OnlyFans. Now, the sad thing is a lot of these people, the way OnlyFans works is they'll put up, they, they have a monthly membership and the guys are paying monthly to see the videos and pictures. I'm guessing it's mostly the videos. Um, I never really understood the point of OnlyFans because yeah, me porn, porn is free. I, I just, porn is free. Niggas, porn is free. Not only is porn free, but if you are someone that's into like amateur porn where you want to see real people fuck without like the camera and glitter and all the bullshit, because that's the way you like to watch your porn, then there are sites like Pornhub where Pornhub is built like YouTube. Average people can make a Pornhub account, put up videos and pictures of them fucking or doing whatever the hell they want, as it for money. And you, as the viewer, get to go on there and watch it for free. I'm sure some people have Pornhub memberships, sadly. But it is free. And you're choosing to... I, I get, I, I'm guessing the throw with OnlyFans is that, like, it's regular women. But I just explained how Pornhub has the same fucking concept. I don't understand it's, the appeal it's, of OnlyFans. It's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be interesting from a cultural aspect. And I'm going to look forward to this is because it's going to be coming in October. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to make a prediction because when OnlyFans came out, Beyonce co-signed it in a song. Lizzo co-signed it. All the black females. Yeah, but OnlyFans, way, OnlyFans blew up after. So like OnlyFans blew up once they had like people who were either classified as sex workers on it or strippers or anyone else on OnlyFans making a living. So it's kind of funny that the way that your platform expanded and became so noted that you had Beyonce singing about it. Now you're kicking off the very same I think it was when Black China people. jumped on it. That was when it kind but, of, because she right, was the but, first Black celebrity but, that jumped on the bullshit. Yes, but people still didn't care because Black China is not like A-level. You know what I mean? Like I heard I about it and I still didn't care. And I still don't care because I don't really understand the appeal. But I think it's interesting that OnlyFans starts to become something as they get either celebrities or whoever else and like other women to join and create this content. Now you're noted and now you're going to pull the content that helped make OnlyFans as big as it is. It's just funny. They did a similar thing with Tumblr. Yeah, they did. Tumblr was Tumblr was a bit different. Tumblr was a platform that was known for people posting pictures. Yeah in a very hipster way. And then Tumblr also had a section of people would post porn, but Tumblr wasn't strictly known for porn. It was known right. for porn. That's what, but, While OnlyFans, but, as you were saying, is strictly known for porn. That's what I'm trying to say. Like when you made the Tumblr reference, yes, they banned all adult content in 2018. And like, also, like you said, it didn't have the same impact because it wasn't known for being like a hub of where you could get pornographic content like that, even though there was a section. And a lot of the people who used to be on Tumblr said that they had a hard time rebuilding their brand, like their stuff. I guess they're almost like their brand of when they were on Tumblr do- posting those things. I guess maybe when OnlyFans came about, they were able to do that. But it's very interesting to dismantle the one, the thing that actually made your platform and your app big to take that away. So it should be interesting oh. to see what happens afterwards. Because I posting photographs is pretty us. much... I really do. 
posting a photograph of something that is either a sexy pose or you can't do anything. Okay. But the whole reason that people really like to pay for memberships on OnlyFans, I think is for the videos. Yeah, and the video is supposed to be more entertaining and more fun. So it should be interesting to see what happens. Well, what's gonna happen is a lot of these girls are gonna a lot of these girls are gonna have to go back and get nine to five jobs, sadly. Yeah, yeah, I'm agreeing. But I'm just saying I think it's kind of funny. Whatever they were doing. But what I think is weird about OnlyFans and the way I said that like I think Beyonce and a couple of people made it a cultural thing is because we've we've heard stories. I won't mention who told us, but we've heard stories about people's bosses. That are making a hundred k a year, working at a structured job, who also have an OnlyFans. Yeah, and I sit there and I'm like, so it's not for money. So are you doing it for attention? Potentially. Get a dog. Like get 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 get, get a man. Get, what the hell is happening? I also think that OnlyFans is like a thing for people who kind of maybe want people that are regular for certain fetishes. Remember I told you about that one girl that I. Uh, that I worked with where she has an OnlyFans. She also has a boyfriend, by the way, but she has an OnlyFans and someone messaged her asking for pictures of her feet, like videos of her feet as well, of them like wiggling. I think that some people have like certain fetishes that they would like to uh, indulge in and they maybe feel more comfortable doing OnlyFans. I want the aliens to take us. I really, <laughs> you know, the aliens, don't, the aliens don't even want this ghetto shit. Leave this shit alone. This shit getting hotter every day. You guys don't want to get all that shit. It's it's just like my, my prediction for this, as most of my predictions that I just told you have come true. In October, when this finally closes down, okay, sadly, you are going to see a backlash of people complaining about the fact that only fans yeah. did this. And sadly, that backlash will be driven by black culture. Well, we'll see. Because black culture is the one that promotes OnlyFans more than anything else. More than yeah. any other culture, that's what I'm trying to say. It should be interesting and to see if, the, if OnlyFans survives after I predict, those. I'm, I don't think Beyonce will involve herself in this. I think Lizzo will, for sure. And yeah, uh, sadly, and it's mainly going to be black people who are going to be so distraught by the fact that OnlyFans is gone. And I'm just fucking done, bro. I am fucking done. This episode is fucking depressing. Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like I'm turning more conservative by the... I used to be so liberal. I don't know what the fuck is happening to me. I just, I can't do this anymore. This is actually crazy. I just... Niggas. Niggas. I don't see the appeal um, of OnlyFans, so... In some happier news, let's switch to something a little more reasonable for the time being. There's some fuckery still left in this. It's been three weeks, four weeks, I'm sorry. Kendrick Lamar made an announcement that he is leaving the Top Dog TDE label. Now, for those who don't know, Kendrick Lamar, TDE is a label that started by Top Dog. Uh, He was the manager of the label back in Compton or Los Angeles. There was a few people on the label. Uh, there's Kendrick Lamar, there's J-Rock, there's Absol, there's Schoolboard Q. These were the original members, and then you have SZA, other people have joined on after. These original members used to record and Compton together for years before any of them made it. J-Rock was actually the first artist out of the camp to have a debut album, and then Kendrick Lamar, and Kendrick Lamar was the more popular artist, and he blew up the entire label. 
Kendrick Lamar has dropped what three albums? Good Kid, Mad City, three, four albums right now, and I'm guessing his contract is up. And I'm guessing now he wants to leave um, Top Dog. I'm not mad at it. I I always looked at Kendrick Lamar as one with the label because this is the label that was started in the garage mm-hmm. in Compton with him and other people. It's different. Like if you look at someone like Drake who signed to Young Money, which Little Wayne's label, I can get why he would want to leave. He's not tied to it like that, right? But this is the label that essentially Kendrick Lamar helped build. But I'm assuming maybe he wants a bigger platform. You know, Top Dog has a very good platform. I don't know if Kendrick Lamar will sign to another label or if he'll just go independent. If I was him, I'd just go independent. A small part of me hope he signs to J. Cole's label. I highly doubt it, but you never know. might happen. Who knows? Um, I think it's going to be very interesting for the hip-hop heads like myself to see what comes up. I'm wondering if the other members of the label will eventually do the same thing. Absol doesn't have a huge demographic like Kendrick. J-Rock almost does, and Schoolboy almost does as well, but I'm wondering what they will do as well. And then the other members like SZA as well. But we'll see what happens. You know, everybody has their chance to leave, so I'm not mad at it. It doesn't seem like there's any friction. It seems like everyone's pretty much cool, so. It could be his next step in growth and what he wants to do as well. That might be why he's also leaving. I'm looking at our last topic, Sarah, and I'm wondering if I want to end off on fuckery. Or, you know what, I won't end off on fuckery. I'll do the fuckery now. So the moment you guys have been waiting for, I know you've been sitting here, why hasn't this guy talked about the baby? We were going to talk about it. I was going to open up with the baby, and I was going to give him clap for the day, and then Shakara Richards decided to be an idiot, and I had to do that one instead. So the baby at this point, it's, it's kind of at its tail end, to be honest. But long story short, the baby was at the festival. What's the festival called? There's a lot of festivals. I can't remember the festival, but the baby was performing at a musical festival. This musical festival had artists of different genres, many different artists at the festival. This was not a little baby concert. And little baby decided to get on the mic. Wait, is his name little baby or the baby? Because now you said little baby. No, no, there is. You know, you know, you know what? There is somebody named little. You know what it is? There's too many babies. Oh my gosh, that's so. But his name is the baby. I'm sorry. Sorry, that was no. That was really funny though. So the baby decides to do the concert and he gets on the mic. And to be honest, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't really know that hip hop artists did this. I've been to a Jay-Z concert, mm-hmm. but it was a Jay-Z. Jay-Z doesn't do this. Um, neither did his hype man or anything like that. And I've been to, oh, I've been to the Watch the Throne concert. I went to a low-key Intimate Common concert. I went to a Childish Gambino concert, and I believe that was it for hip-hop. And I've never really seen anybody do this in hip-hop before, and I wasn't aware of it, right? My connection to this is dance hall, okay? Because okay. in Toronto, when you go to a dance hall party, this shit is lit. Like, I've always wanted to do this myself. Maybe one day I'll have the possibility to do it. But, you know... The dance hall DJ will get on the mic and he'll just scream nonsensical shit. If, if you're bad today, if you love yeah, your mother, if you have five dollars in your pocket, yeah, but it's funny. Sometimes it's stupid. Yeah. If if you let pussy, I know. If or or, or if you if you don't suck pussy, everybody lies. If you don't suck dick, everybody lies. You know what I mean? If you love your mother, if if you if you if you have your own ride home and you don't need no man, everybody lies. But the point is is that that's that's my relation to this DJ shout 
to the crowd a response type of feel. But yeah. the way that the dance hall DJs do it, as Brittany said, it's always funny. Yeah, it's fun. So, and mind you, I've been at dance hall clubs back in the day where they have said things about gay people. I have, I have. But the difference is, this was done in a dance hall club. Everyone there understands it's a dance hall club. The expectation is that this is going to happen regardless. Mm -hmm. You put on any dance hall song and you're bound to hear something about people that's negative. So it is what it is. The baby decided to take something that he probably does at his own private concert with his personal fans. And he decided to do it at a festival full of artists from all genres. And I'm paraphrasing here. The baby decided to basically say to the crowd that, I'm trying to remember the exact quotes. One of them was, um, if you're not sucking dick to the niggas, if you're not sucking dick in the parking lot, put your hands up. Or if you're not about to die in two weeks of AIDS, put your hands up. Now, the baby said these things back to back. So he's obviously putting the connection between gay people and AIDS in the same category. This is something that if you grew up in the 80s and 90s was very synonymous. And then over time, we realized not so much. I think the majority of people that have AIDS to this day are not even gay people. But when the disease first hit in the 80s, it heavily attacked the gay community and then after the black community. But it is not a gay disease. It can be transferred many different ways. One of them is anal sex, yes, but the other one is mixing needles. The other one is just open wound contact, many mm-hmm. different ways. There's also regular intercourse as well, okay? Yeah, because it's exchange of bodily fluids. Exactly. So we live in 2021. The baby probably wasn't aware of that shit. And there was a backlash for this, rightfully so. And What annoyed me the most is when the backlash happened, all the baby really had to do, and all, and I want everyone to hear this, all any artist really has to do is just say, I'm sorry, I didn't know, let me go through some training course, let me be good. The same exact way how when a Starbucks employee shouts nigga or is racist, the Starbucks puts that whole store into some racial training, and then they go back out there and do it again. The same exact way I when a white celebrity haul his nigga, he gets Al Sharpton or his favorite black celebrity to stand behind him like an idiot and say he's okay. And he says he's going through some mental training and then they go back and do it again. That's all he had to do. But no, the baby wanted to die on this hill. And that's my issue. Why does people, why, why do you want to die on this hill? Why? And the baby decided to come out. And his first response is, I'm a real nigga. I'm, I'm not bowing down. This is my culture. This is how we speak. I don't give a shit. Okay, talk that talk like Shakara. And then people started pulling out. People started pulling out. All the endorsements he had pulled out. All the other festivals he had pulled out. Yeah, he got now, the baby is Now, the baby is a big artist. But let me explain why festivals matter. An artist like Drake doesn't need a festival because he yeah. sells out arenas. 30,000, 50,000, 60,000, two nights in a row, one city. And, be, and because Drake is so huge, similar to Jay-Z or Kanye West, they charge $100 for medium tickets, $300 for the lower tickets. The cheapest ticket you're going to get is $50 or $80. The Baby is one of those artists where he does a small haul 
maybe about 2,000 people, maybe five, if that. And I'm kind of, I might be going, maybe five, maybe five. No, maybe two. And the baby usually charges probably about $10, $15 a ticket by the time the promoter and everybody gets paid. He ain't really making that much money. So when it comes to artists like the baby, when they go to festivals, because you got Travis Scott and all these other artists, now you can charge $500 for a ticket at a festival. Way more than Drake and Jay-Z on an average and everybody eats. Yeah. So when everyone started pulling out, that's when the baby started retracting and all this and all this and all this. He released an apology, right? He did. Yeah. Now... His apology was, it wasn't really an apology, but. It wasn't. This is, this, this is my issue with, I can't even remember his apology, to be honest with you. But this, this, is, this is my issue with the whole thing. Mm-hmm. People started bringing up the perspective of, oh, well, how come when rappers say the N word, nobody pulls out? How come when rappers, how come when rappers talk about killing other black people and selling drugs to black people and ruining the community, nobody wants to pull out? First of all, I was really shocked that black people wanted to have that conversation because when people were trying to have that conversation in the 90s with the emergence of rap, like Lauren C.J. Tucker, we were shutting that shit down, right? Mm-hmm. But now we want to have the conversation about how hip-hop can influence the black community in a negative way and how these rappers that talk about selling drugs or beating women or doing all this crazy shit is negative impacting on the black community or just saying the n-word but of course we took no self-accountability and we decided to put the blame on the promoters for not pulling out of black artists who say the n-word first of all if promoters pulled out of black artists who say the n-word there would be a counter argument which is it's our word we can say it how come you're pulling out when we say it, if a yeah. white artist said cracker, you wouldn't pull out. So why are we even having the argument? Second of all, if you want to know the reason why these people don't pull out is because there's no outrage. Because sure. we as the black community, when these artists get on here and disrespect black women, disrespect black men, when they use the N-word, when all when literally 90% of commercial hip hop is just anthems about killing black people, selling drugs to black people, or popping that pussy, we have no outrage. The promoters and everybody is responding to outrage. If you want that to stop in hip hop, stop buying those artists' albums, stop promoting the artists, put some outrage out there, and then maybe the next generation of pop artists won't use the N-word. And maybe the next generation of artists won't, 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 won't disrespect black people. We won't be talking about killing black people. But I don't get it. If you don't, you, you're not outraged by it, but you expect them to be outraged. Other way it works. When Dave Chappelle does a gay joke, it's the gay community outraged by it. Yeah. It's not the gay community asking why the straight community is not outraged by it. Sounds stupid to you. So yeah. if you want, if you're wondering why these white publications don't pull out of these artists, it's because we don't give a shit. So all those people that had that talk about, oh, how come you guys don't pull out when these artists talk about selling drugs in this? Because you're not outraged. Be outraged. They'll pull out. And this type of denigrated hip hop will stop influencing the younger generation to do the same thing that we did. Long story short, done. 
But again, you know, people are waiting for Jesus Muhammad or the white man to save them, as I always say. I don't really understand why he even made the comments at the festival to begin with. He made the comment because it's probably something that he does in his own shows with his own fan base. Yeah, but, but you're telling me he doesn't do know how to festival. read. He doesn't know how to read the demographic and see what he's looking at. I remember his actual response now. His response was the fact of, oh, he was talking to his gay fans and his gay fans suck dick, but they don't do it behind alleys or some bullshit. And was, that doesn't even make any sense. He was trying to save himself. Yeah, but then he retracted the apology later. We know. So what was the point? What was the point? There is no point. And then I saw another side argument of like, oh, this is hip hop. This is hip hop. Oh, and the whole argument was the fact of people never correct rapper for saying these type of things. Now, let me let me let me just bring something to the to the table, right? Okay. Cuz there is a point here. There is there's a valid point here. If you've noticed, hip hop is the one art form that people do not try to um what's the word I'm looking for? People do not try to I'm not muzzle, but uh, I'm trying to find the word and I can't find it, but basically what I'm saying, hip hop is the one Try to censor. And there's a reason for that. That's a fucked up reason. But when I say it, you're going to realize what I'm trying to say. If a rock artist said anything about gay people or said any derogatory term towards people with mental illness mm -hmm. or disrespected women mm -hmm. or disrespected men or talked about killing and murdering people, if anybody in rock country or any other art form did this today, at the level hip hop does it, they would automatically be canceled. Yeah. The reason why no one tries to cancel hip hop, sadly, it's because of the way people view hip hop. Let me explain. People view rappers and black musicians that are in the hip hop genre in general as people who are uneducated, ignorant, and don't know better. And that's why they never muzzle you. Because when when rappers come out and say this ignorant shit that yeah. anybody else will get muzzled for, they look at you as you don't know better. Look at you as like, oh, this person's ignorant. They grew up in the hood. They just don't know better. So they sympathetically give you a pass because they think that you are stupid. The only reason why little baby got called out is because he did it at a festival. But yeah. he, he could have said that in a song lyric and nobody would have said anything because people look at hip-hop and the people that make hip-hop, which is the Black inner city population, as people who don't know better. It's like how you treat a child. When I'm with my nephew and my nephew does something, I realize he doesn't know better, so I pass it forward. That's the way they treat hip-hop. Would you not agree with that? No, I would agree with that. I just, That's I why there's for, never any outrage. It was just interesting to see that he listed an apology, even though the apology was half-assed at best, and then pulls the apology and is like, I'm not sorry. <laughs> and then he got dropped from a bunch of things, lost out on some stuff, but I'm sure that he'll be fine. 
he'll be fine. The baby is not getting canceled. The baby, no. the baby, the the baby is a good enough rapper. He's one of the few rappers of this generation that can actually rap and doesn't mumble. He reminds everybody of Ludacris and Busta Rhymes and Missy Elliott. He does a very animated videos. People like that about him. He can actually rap. So the baby will not be canceled. He's gonna go through some sort of, you know, they're, they're, they're gonna do what they did in the canon. They're going to set him up with someone to talk to and talk about how that was wrong. And then he's going to give out a speech and he'll be back at it again. He'll be fine. He won't get canceled. But just to let you know, that's the reason why they don't treat you guys like that. That's it. And if you and if, if I feel like and that's I'm such so, an embarrassing and, reason as well. But that that's what it is. You know, it's true. And, yeah. and, and I'm so happy that black people finally had this conversation about the negative aspects of our culture but if we want it to change, we have to we have to cause outrage. Yeah, no, you're right. But but we're not going to do it. So we, it's selective outrage. You're right because the best way for a change to happen is to actually talk about it and to say no, we're not going to be supporting this anymore, and for it to be consistent and we continuous. That way, it. change actually occurs. If white people band together and said they were tired of hearing the N word in songs, we would tell them it's not your word. Shut up. So <laughs> we have to do it. Yeah. No, agreed. Again, this whole, I said today I was going to be nothing but stripping conversations. Because I know what's coming. I've been waiting on this shit for weeks. But we've reached our uh, last topic. I wanted to end off on, I guess, a bit of a little bit of a um, more somber note here. So within the past month or three weeks since we have come together to do this, there's a lot happening in the world. Um, the major one is Afghanistan and the fact that America has pulled out of Afghanistan and the fact that America pulled out a little too timely and they still have people in Afghanistan who have been helping the Americans going against their government, which is the Taliban for years, and they've been helping Americans for decades. And of course, they were promised to get asylum in America. And now these people are with their families trying to get asylum. I think the worst part was when you've seen groups of people trying to jump on the wing of a plane and falling to their death. Or when yeah, you've seen a mother a hundred, a hundred throw her baby. Died. Or when you've seen a mother throw her baby over the fence yeah. just to save it. Now, there is other parts of the world that I want to touch, but I will get back to Afghanistan. Lebanon was struck by a power cut. And 40% of the country is without electricity. And therefore, there are riots, mass starvation going on. There was a major, a major earthquake in Haiti, 7.2 magnitude. Haiti, I always have a soft spot for Haiti. I have a lot of respect for Haiti, as I do for Egypt. Sorry, as I do for um, Ethiopia. Ethiopia for never being colonized. Haiti for being the first Black Republic and the only country next to Brazil that actually fought for their freedom instead of waited for it to be given to them. And because they did that, and by the time they did it, most of the population was still African-born, Haiti has a very ethnocentricity about them in their culture, which I respect. Now... Because of that, Haiti has had to pay France for the past 300 years for the amount of money that France would have made off slavery. And, and because of Haiti's geographical location in the Caribbean, Haiti suffers 
the most natural disasters in terms of earthquakes and floods and whatever it may be. And that's why people look at Haiti as the most unluckiest country in the world. It has nothing to do with voodoo. It has to do with their location on the map that they actually didn't choose, but were brought there, sadly. It's the just, next one. But so many people are oh, starving right now too in Haiti though. Yep, yep. Even though the aid next, is coming, so many people got hurt, like almost 2,000 people died. Even prior to, well, you're seeing videos of people being pulled out the buildings, uh, yeah. the, 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 the dilapidated buildings. Even prior to that, um, their, um, their, their president was, was murdered. Yeah. One of many presidents that was murdered along with a few African ones. And these presidents are all ironically the ones who refused to do the COVID vaccine. Take your conspiracy theories where you may with that. Um, also on top of that, just to go back to Afghanistan, when America first left, their leader, their prime minister left first. Mm -hmm. And then the army that America had trained for the past two decades to take care of the Taliban, they also decided to give up arms and they just wanted to leave too. I can't imagine the fear these people have for the Taliban that you've been trained for this long and still being going to fight them is still that's crazy did you on top of that mm -hmm. um I, just, I i wanted to get through all the topics that i know we're going to mainly talk about um um afghanistan but on on top of that there was wildfires in algeria in turkey in greece and currently the province of bc has about 280 wildfires going at the same time um and then of course, Israel continues to demolish and fuck up Palestine on a day-to-day -day basis. So that one's nothing new. I was just gonna say, when it comes to Afghanistan, I think the thing that is so crazy is that when the Taliban took back over, you know, they put out this promise that people who want to leave are going to be allowed to leave. And that, um, that anyone who like, you know, that people are not gonna be like hurt and these promises that women's rights are gonna be protected for whatever. But you're finding out that there are these schools that were built where there are some girls who were, quite a few females actually, who started studying and they're mainly based in like technology and stuff like that. And these girls have like gone into hiding because the Taliban does not want women to have an education like that where they can actually do something. And then these, these girls' families literally had to put their daughters into hiding and are trying to get them out of the country so that their children are not murdered. Yep. And then well, was, you yeah, have, sorry. then you had the Taliban release like videos of members of the Taliban at like a fair to try and make them seem more um, like nice and that they're not these destructive people. And then Canada released, the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, was like, yeah, we don't recognize Taliban as, as, as Afghanistan's government. And I think only Pakistan, China, and Russia do. Yeah, and like Canada's like, no, country. we're not doing it. And I, there was a, on the news, the video that you spoke of, I, I remember when that came on as a clip, it actually made me stop walking. Like, you know, when you see something on the news sometimes and it catches your attention, like I actually stopped moving. I was like, I just stood there. And I couldn't believe it. And then I saw this mother at this like wall and she was screaming for the American soldiers to take her baby and watching her like lift her kid and hand her like 
infant, like her baby away because she's terrified of the Taliban. Like they actually kid. took the baby. Yes, they took them. Oh wow! They, they took them. And then there was another another news clip, I believe, on Friday that I saw where people were taking their children to this wall and they were saying, take my baby, take my baby. And the soldiers were actually like lifting the baby and then cradling the baby away. And I was like, you guys are, I'm like, but if these children end up in the States, they're just going to end up in foster care. And to think that people are willing to risk their lives jumping onto a plane to only fall to death, like 140 something people did that and they died. Then another oh, plane... Man. Another plane got bombarded um, that already had people who were on it. The plane got bombarded and people got onto the plane that made the plane too heavy. Thank God they didn't crash, but the plane was too heavy because they were like, I'm not getting off. And I just sat there and I was like, wow. And then you have obviously Canada taking on um, the, some of the Afghans who actually assisted Canadian soldiers who are in danger from the Taliban for what they did. So they actually yeah. have no choice but to leave because they will be killed. You went against your government, of course. Yeah. It's like you did all what? All those you, people you helped that helped them. out the Western powers should be automatically out. taken, no matter yes. what. Their entire family, so like you have to get their taken. whole family Facts. out because the whole family, like Facts. if you only take out like the immediate family, we all know what happens. The rest of your extended family will be killed. And then you'll have no one. I think what makes me sad is when I hear people in the West talking about, oh, do we have to take immigrants? And I'm just like, you guys kill me, man. Your country was built off like, of immigrants. What do you mean? Bro, it, it's funny because I grew up at a time where I grew up with a bunch of European kids who talked about the fact that their great grandfathers came right after World War II and there was mass, mass European immigration. Millions of people fleeing World War I and World War II. Nobody had nothing then, right? All these people who live here now are all descendants of that. And this is another war, basically similar to the war their grandparents went to. And they're saying, we don't want immigrants. I've noticed that people only care about their own people, man. I've literally heard black people say the same things. I've heard mm -hmm. other minorities say the same things. I'm like, unless it's your people, you really don't care. But I respect the fact that the Afghani people that I see on social media are, are really going hard. They're even trying to get the topic um, talked about in the Canadian election. I don't know yeah. if it will, but I, I, don't know if I, I don't know if it's an election topic, but I like the fact that they're doing anything to raise awareness. So I do respect that. I do, yeah, I do but respect it's, that. It's absolutely crazy. I saw an interview, um, speaking of what you were speaking about, I saw an interview yesterday with a female reporter from Turkey mm -hmm. and she was interviewing the Taliban and she asked the Taliban if they were going to keep the democracy that Afghanistan had. They said no. They said, we are going back to Sharia law. And, and then they said, so what about women? They're like, they will go back to their place. And the woman asked and the woman asked him, I think I'm gonna send you this. I think I might've sent it to you. The woman asked him, are you going to bring back stoning? And they said, yes, of course. They're literally taking it back Yeah, the stone age. It's That's why when I heard about all the schools and these girls having to going into hiding who were teenage girls, some of them now are women who've been studying literally had to flee. Their families are like, you need to get out now because you have too much of an education. Now you're working in, in science and communications. You are at, you have to leave. And to know, like, it just, it was insane to hear that. And the fact that the school literally shut down, but all the girls from my understanding are either in hiding or they've been already taken out of the country because they are not safe to stay there. And then I saw a protest on the news of one um, Afghani woman 
And she was protesting for her right to be able to like keep doing what she's doing. And I was like, you are so brave because your face is now on TV. And I'm terrified of what's going to happen to you because she wants to fight for the rights that she has been given now. And she wants to keep them. And I'm so happy that with America leaving, what type of democracy fight is she going to have? Exactly. I'm also terrified that all they're going to do is eliminate her. And that is so. Oh, of course. And I'm just just like, like, but I give her credit for the fact that she's not, she's not staying quiet. She's not shutting up. Like she's like, no, I'm going to fight for what I believe in. Okay. But you also need that backing to be able to keep doing it. Unfortunately. And how sad is that? You get an education as a woman and they're like, yeah, by the way, no, 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 no. What do you mean? What do you mean that you can do math? What do you mean that you're an accountant? What do you mean that you're going to be a scientist? What do you mean that you're going to be a teacher? What do you mean? And just to sit there and be like, well, I've been no. See, I'm taking that from me because you don't deserve is, it because of the this fact is that the you're reason a why. This is why I always say religion is counterproductive. So, to give people an idea, I remember learning this when I was in university, and this will open up your eyes to how stupid and backwards religion is. Okay, a lot of the things that we hold today, mm-hmm. a lot of our education comes from the Middle East, specifically Iraq because that was the epicenter of like the Muslim world back then, right? So math comes from the Middle East. You wanna know why? Because the number system that we use is the Arabic number system. The letter one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, that's the Arabic numbers. Math comes from the Muslim world. Science comes from the Muslim world. A lot of medicine breakthroughs come from the Muslim world. People don't even realize this. And what happened was, well, what happened was, so when Islam first was created, it was Mm -hmm. created in the Arabia, what is now Saudi Arabia. And then it was spread through the world due to caliphates, which are just like dynasties or the same way how Asian people call them dynasties, we call they call them caliphates. So they were spread through the world through caliphates, mostly throughout the whole Middle East. They didn't really conquer India. That was still Hindu. And then throughout Northern Africa, Eastern Africa, and throughout Eastern Europe, which is why you see a lot of Muslim countries literally right after Greece. So, and at that point in time, the Muslims at that point in time, they were the ones who were developing math and science and all mm-hmm. these things that we have today. Algebra, these are all developed by them. And then they decided to have a Muslim referendum, if you want to say so forth. And I believe when I learned about this, this happened like, I think it was around the time of the Crusades. So the Crusades okay. was like the 13, 14 hundreds i think it was around the 15 1600s and they decided to put in muslim law aka sharia law and they put this in in the 1500s well i think it was 1400s and when they put in muslim law they took away all the education facilities people weren't like literally the education had to be done through islam so people so everything that they had accomplished from math to algebra to aspects of science, they was completely they they completely trashed it. And I remember I was watching his YouTube video, and this guy was talking about it. And he this guy does world history, 
Yeah. And he does alternative wealth history. And he was saying that, like, if that didn't happen, because at that time, Europe was poor. This is when yeah. Europe was going through the Dark Ages. This is when the Crusades, this is when Europeans were just killing each other. And the majority of the population has always been in Asia and the Middle East, not Europe. Europe is just the whitest population, so we think it's the most yeah. important. And the Middle East and Asia actually was more road. And the Middle East had all the spices. And that's where the money was. That's where the education was. That's where the culture was. People were traveling from Europe and from Africa to be educated there. And when they cut this off, that basically took the Middle East's chance of being a world power. And then that was when Europe decided to build all the institutions and that was it. It's funny when you think about it like that, is right? There a reason so is there a reason why they took it away? Is there a reason why they took it away? Because, because they put in Sharia law. Sharia law says that learning about God is more important than other bullshit. So that's why I'm saying this is why I never liked religion. Sharia law literally took the Middle East's advantage in the world where they they were the epicenter of science and education. I didn't know that. Yeah. And now they're only the epicenter of, of, of religious fascism. It's absolutely bonkers. And that was like it's 600 madness. years ago. That is madness. When I found, and I, I learned that first in university from a, from a prof that was lecturing to us. And then I learned, and I saw it again in the video, and I was like, this is mad. Can you imagine how far they would have been? All that is them. The numbers we use is their numbers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's their numbers. The and math is we why, use is their math. What I think is interesting is now what's happening. number system. Now what's happening in Afghanistan, the fact that they're going to close down all those schools all over again. Well, it was like that before. And then America opened the schools and now we're just going right back to the way it was. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They had the schools got that opened. Is... People got to go to school again, got to learn things for the past like 20 yep. years. And now they're like, no, we're taking yep. it all the way again. And mind you, I'm not bashing Islam. I think all religions are stupid across the fucking board. I'm not bashing either one. I think they're all nonsense. But that is crazy. Like Christianity is so tied to capitalism with Christmas, all for the bullshit that Christianity would never take away education because it's so tied together. But that's what they did. Crazy, yeah? Absolutely fucking crazy. It's, I have, I, I do, I do have, um, <clears throat> I want to talk about this before we go. So people are mad at America because America, well, Trump announced when he was in office, that America will be pulling out of all of these places in the world and it's no longer America's place to protect the world. Right. A lot of Americans have been complaining that they spend trillions of dollars and that's the highest amount of money and all that goes to the army every year when they could be feeding their population. And I guess the politicians of America kind of agreed with them. Not only that, but since... I don't want to say since World War II, because America is a colonial power. As much as people don't think they're colonial power, America's a colonial power of Puerto Rico, of the U.S. Virgin Islands, of Hawaii, of Guam, and the list fucking goes on. We just mm -hmm. don't think about it that way as we do, like, France or England. But... Yeah. Sorry, that's my train of thought for a second. But America as a global power, especially after World War II took their Navy and put it every single place in the world so they could run trade routes. 
And that was how America was dominant by running all the trade routes in the world. Yeah. Then when the Cold War kicked off right after World War II with Russia, that was when America put army bases in the world and did this whole, we're going to save the world shit, when really it was, we just want to make sure that every government in the world follows democracy and not communism. And we also want to be able to get whatever your resources are at a lower price, like oil in Saudi Arabia, or just take it for free. So, yeah. and because of that, America has always tried to hide that type of imperialism by guising it with the fact that we are protecting you. We right, are, right, right, right. we are protecting you against any invaders, any other bullshit. Yeah. Even though we're milking you dry from the back, we're basically we're basically making you hold your ankles. But the guy in front of you was going to do you worse. So let me do it, basically. And now America is stopping its imperialism ways. I don't think they're going to let go of the colonies they have in Puerto Rico or Guam or Hawaii, any of that. But they are letting go of their reach around the world, which is very, very, very interesting. There's a lot of different things about to happen. America is about to leave every country in the world and focus on them. The main reason is America now has enough oil to become self-sufficient for the next like 500 years. So they don't need the Middle East anymore, as I said, so they were there for. Right. And not only oil, but America has enough natural resources in its borders that it is, it is self-sustaining for the next 500 years. It doesn't need anything else but basic trade. So the reason why America is leaving is not because they necessarily want to give their countrymen more money and take care of them. They're leaving because there's no point in being in these countries because they've already milked them all. Yeah, there's no benefit anymore. And on top of that, it's not worth their men dying and wars potentially starting over bullshit. So they're leaving, which is going to make America a lot richer in the next few years. They're still going to compete with China and India, but America's going to be a lot richer. I hope that they get a huge middle class after this. That would be great, especially for black America. But with America leaving every country in the world, this leaves a lot of these countries open. I know we think we live in 2021 and people won't like colonize each other. Yes. The yeah, that's is. a lie. We know that'll happen. The only reason why Russia hasn't tried to take back the USSR countries is because of America. Remember when Russia tried to take over Belarus and uh, the Ukraine a few years ago? The Ukraine, and Amer- yeah. And, Amer- and America put shit to stop that shit? When America goes back, it might be like another 10 years before it's all done. Russia is going to be going into them Eastern European countries, the ones that used to be old USSR countries. They're taking that shit back. They're taking that shit back. Europe is going to be vulnerable as hell. Because the reason why Europe was able to conquer the whole world is because back in the day, Europe had a technological advancement that nobody else had. They had guns. Everybody else had swords, they had machine guns, everybody else had rifles. It was just completely unfair. And that was why you saw small European countries like England colonize the entire world. Yep. Everybody in the world now has these weapons. And it's funny because the only reason why Europe hasn't got fucked over, because Europe Europe is in a giant continent. Europe and Asia. It's one continent, Eurasia. Europe, Asia, and Africa are kind of all connected. That's actually one whole continent, actually, to be honest with you. And the only reason why they haven't been tested is because people are afraid of America. Yeah. When America is gone, Europe's biggest biggest rival is Russia. Russia's definitely taken over the Eastern European countries. And those Asian countries, they're going into Europe. 
We might see some terrorist attacks. We might see some payback for what for what was done to them. We don't know. But I as people people always say, is there gonna be a World War Three? Now I think there's gonna be a World War Three in the future. I, it might be fifty years from now, whatever it is. Especially with the climate being the way it is and resources slowing up. Like they were announcing today, we all know how it's been hot as shit outside. Yeah. They were announcing today that in the next 20 years, it might become too hot in the summer to go outside. That means that you would be able to get into your car and get on a bus and drive. But staying in the heat for long periods of time and like running around and playing sports might not might be a safety hazard in the future it's like it's that's, like the days in canada where it goes above 38 and we don't have to go outside well that's, that's why that's why they're also they also announced before what you just said they also announced that if they don't start enacting the changes that they need to now that will happen well that's going to happen no matter what so yeah but they're saying already, to enact we've, we've changes to be able to help the world recover i doubt it I don't think that was a, that was the thing that came out the other no, day. No, no, yes, I'm, not, I'm, not I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. No, I'm saying it ties into what you said because they're saying, listen, if we don't do these yeah. things now, but like everyone, we they're like it, we're done in like a century. What I'm saying is, I don't think that there's nothing they can do. Like the continent of Africa is right now; they have a project where they're building trees to combat the Sahara. So the mm -hmm. Sahara that's in northern Africa is yeah. getting bigger. And yeah. it's extending down to southern sub-Saharan Africa where it's all bush and land. And if that happens and it keeps getting worse, then all of Africa will become a desert. So a lot of those countries that are on that Sahara line are building mass amounts of trees yeah. that are going to kind of kill the Sahara in a way. That's their, that's their goal. It's almost like they're pretty I, and, much bringing water to keep the land almost like wet enough so that there can actually be agriculture. But a lot of people say that might not work. Yeah, I know. On top of that, the predictions that they have is, yes, I gave you the first one, but also countries that are in the Caribbean, like Jamaica, Trinidad, Barbados, St. Lucia, they say that in the next hundred years, these yeah. countries will become too hot for vegetation. So when you go to these countries and you see the lush green land, all of that land's gonna be dead grass, dead plants, dead vegetation. Once the vegetation is gone, then the population is going to leave. They've yeah. already said that within the next 300 years, we won't be here for this one, but everybody is going to have to move above the equator. So in North America, the equator would be right above uh, North Carolina. So most people are going to live in Canada or right below Canada. They don't want to move to a different country. And in Europe, the equator is going to be right the, the top part of France and the top part of Germany, but most people are going to be living in the Norwegian parts or the UK is going to get a huge lot of population. And then in Asia, they all have to go to Russia. And then once those areas in Russia and Canada and the Norwegian countries start to melt, all that's going to be viable land. That's Canada's going to get some oil and Canada's definitely going to become the next America in the next 500 years. If you don't believe it, just trust me. When America's population moves up to Canada, Canada is going to have a huge population and all of that Arctic land is going to be unfrozen. There's going to be a bag of oil. Canada's going to have a bag of oil. It's going to be completely populated with Americans and Canadians. Canada going to be the new America. But at the, at, at the same time, where are these people going to go? You're exactly. going to have to get all of China and India's population and stuff it in Russia. 
You're going to have to get all of Australia, New Zealand, the Caribbean, South America. Right now, America, it sounds like a dystopian most of future. Europe, all of Africa. This is 300 years down the line. No, no, but and so it sounds like a dystopian future. Up. But it sounds like a dystopian future where land becomes non viable and you have to move and you have no choice. And then obviously there's probably most likely going to be a fall in birth rate because of the fact that there's just so many people. Oh, there's already a fall in, well, there's a fall in birth rate in most developed countries because yeah, there is. Pe- people have a lot of kids in third world countries so they can, the kids can feed the land. And, yeah, no, but like the so average, the average amount of people who have children now, I think it's so weird when you hear like 1.5, you're like, where's the 0.5? The average family now is only having one child. And if you do have two, you stop it too. If you have two. There's that. not many people anymore who are having like four, five, six, seven, eight kids. I think the sad thing and the thing that we will see in our lifetime is the Caribbean being so hot that it might not be a destination no more. And that we might see that by the time we get to like 70 and that's going to be yeah. crazy. And then we might see the vegetation go. I think the other aspect that we are definitely going to see in our lifetime, which... I'm excited, but not excited. Let me explain. So Africa's population is supposed to triple. So right now, the highest populated countries in order is China, India, and the USA. But Nigeria, a country that's the size of Texas, Mm -hmm. is about to have a population double America in the next 20 years. Or they're they're about to beat America in the next five and then almost double the next 20 because most of Africa's population as a whole, the average age is 19. And Nigeria is no exception, so the birth rate's going to go up and up. Africa is going to be the breeding ground for population in the future, the next coming yeah. years. And because of that, there's going to be mass African immigration. Now, this is where it's going to get interesting, because this is the topics that we're going to see come up in the future in regards to this. Historically, the immigration in the early 1900s was strictly European. It was Europeans yeah. leaving World War One and World War Two and going to all of North and South America. Argentina has the highest population of Italians outside of Italy. Most people just don't know because we look at all of South America as one race in Spanish because we're ignorant. But then in, my, in our lifetime, the highest demographic that migrated was people of Indian descent or Middle Eastern descent mm-hmm. or East Asian descent in general, in general. And there's always been migration of, of course, Africans and Caribbeans as well, blah, blah, blah. But in the next coming years, the majority of the immigration to all parts of the world is going to be from Africa and, and sub-Saharan Africa to be exact. And I think that's going to be very interesting because I want to see if these westernized countries put up new immigration laws I want to see what changes. I want to see what they're going to do. Yeah. Because they have no issue taking Europeans. They've always had issues with 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 um, Asians because, you know, anything that's not white is fearful. I can't imagine when it's going to be large immigrations of Africans. I would love to see the propaganda that's going to come out about this in the next 30 years about how we can't take these people. And I can only imagine the fuckery and the racism that's going to go on in terms of taking people. And Canada as a country, as we know, is 30 million people, 40% of our population is baby boomers. Once they die, we won't even be able to maintain free healthcare. We bring in a hundred, what is it, a hundred? We, we, we bring in 
we bring in a hundred thousand is a hundred thousand immigrants a year, but we need a hundred million immigrants by by the end of ten years, and a large portion of those immigrants literally 90% of them are going to be African because when we bring in immigrants, we also have to bring in immigrants. We have to bring in a certain amount of immigrants to Quebec because Quebec has to always be 10% of Canada's population because that's the way they organized it. Yeah. And outside of France, which the French are not leaving, French is mostly spoken where? In Africa. So I'm going to find it very interesting that racist ass Quebec is about to get a majority African immigration and so is the rest of Canada, the rest of the world. And I'm looking forward to see what that looks like in the future. I'm going to be interested to see what propaganda is going to be around, especially in Quebec. That's very, that's very interesting. The Because the white population in Canada is about to decrease in 40 years because most white people are baby boomers. Yeah. And most of Canada is foreign born anyways. And you can imagine in the next 30 years, Canada's either going to look brown or black. Because unlike the States, we don't have a large white population here like the States does. So yeah. we're going to be, white people in Canada are going to be ethnically drowned out before they are, before they are in America. It's going to be very interesting. That's going to be so interesting to see. Because historically, when white people have their backs against the wall, and we see this when you go to countries in Europe where it is their land, and they have immigration, and they think the immigration is taking away the whiteness, and then you see this in America, I can only imagine what's going to happen in so-called peacekeeping overly liberal Canada when the white Canadians, grandparents and parents die off and they realize that they will be the racial minority. You are going to see race riots fly up in Canada, especially in places like Alberta, Saskatchewan and all over the East Coast. And it's going to be wild. That's the last thought I want to leave on. It's going to be a wild day in the next 50 years wild day. Canada is going to change into America, as I said, the next couple hundred years, but yeah. it, will, it will have America's racist demographic in the next 50. It's going to be crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, man, that was a good way to end that. To do an episode again. <laughs> I know, right? Thank you. Thank you. It was. As usual, guys, please don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. To our channel, and if you guys are listening, leave us a review on podcast Apple Podcasts. That helps us when you give us a star rating, as well as Spotify. This is good, and we will see you in the next one, guys. Bye. Bye.